fuera Maradona, viviría como él. Si yo fuera Maradona, frente a cualquier portería. Si yo fuera Maradona, nunca me equivocaría. Si yo fuera Maradona, perdido en cualquier lugar. La vida es una tómbola, de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola, y arriba y arriba. La vida es una tómbola de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola y arriba y arriba. Si yo fuera Maradona, viviría como él. Mil cohetes, mil amigos, lo que venga mil por cien. Si yo fuera Maradón, saldría Mondio Visión para gritarles a la FIFA que yo soy el gran ladrón. La vida es una tómbola de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola y arriba y arriba. La vida es una tómbola de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola y arriba y arriba.
fuera Maradona viviría como él porque el mundo es una bola que se viva flor de pie Hello everybody Hello everybody Are we just talking to each other? Yeah, as everybody. <laughs> <laughs> La vida es una tombola, Adam. Yes, it is. Such a great word, tombola. Lottery. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thanks for playing that song. Well, I wish it was under better circumstances. Yes. Yes, I uh, I'm guessing Argentina is in uh full grief mode over yeah. losing Maradona today. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So uh, that would be like used. us losing Michael Jordan, I think. And probably, yeah. It's true. But it's I also like it, I think a lot more people are engaged in soccer than uh, oh, yeah. people being engaged in basketball here. Yeah, yeah, all around the world. So maybe it would have to be some uh, country singer that's really what? like known by everybody that would give the same sort of a, you know, lost Wait, con feeling. Country mean... or folk, I don't know Okay, what it would be. I guess I see what you mean. Culturally, they would Culturally. have to have a worldwide... Well, Jordan, I mean, that's debatable. Jordan had a pretty big... I mean, big... I, feel, I feel Jordan was even bigger outside the U.S. You know, yeah, like... I don't know if you watched that documentary yet. Yeah, not I mean, all of it yet. Well, the first several episodes really... Um, highlighted his ability to be a major influence, you know. He worldwide. definitely was a yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I just was thinking within the U.S. Mm -hmm. How many people were in all to him is like I think he was a lot bigger even outside the U.S. Does that make sense? Like I feel the not as many people follow basketball so much in the. US. Oh, I see what you mean. Like yeah, where... that's possible. Yeah. That's what I had meant mm -hmm. with my poor English. <laughs> but yeah. Have you ever watched the movie or documentary on the Maradona that the song was written for, I think? Is that the one that takes place in Mexico? I don't know. I think it was like a... I, I didn't watch it. Okay. I'm guessing it doesn't take <laughs> place in Mexico because it's about Maradona. Well, no, there's a more recent one where he's in Mexico like coaching soccer and it turns out to become... I mean, I haven't seen it, just the previews, um, oh, but I it see. ends up kind of becoming a disaster. Oh, no, I don't know about that one. And I think he... Didn't he coach the Argentine men's national team one year in World Cup? I believe so. I think he did coach the national team for more than one year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
And I also I heard that he... didn't go well because he just like he's so good at at the sport that he just doesn't understand why other people aren't. So he would just get upset. <laughs> so really? I <laughs> don't like, know. I didn't... <laughs> why aren't you better, dude? <laughs> we need to ask Marcelo about this. Or, or Andres, I'm curious. Yeah, or or many yeah. many of our friends who would know better, but. That's what I remember yeah. hearing in certain articles and, and, and stuff is that he just didn't really have any patience for um, people in that sense. I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I did not hear that about him. I just in my head thought he'd be a great coach. Well, that's sort of why, like... Maradona. <laughs> yeah, but that's why sometimes the best at their craft don't, aren't necessarily the best teachers. Hi, Amy. Yeah, exactly. Welcome exactly. back. Long time. Hi, everybody. I hope you're getting ready for a safe day tomorrow, whatever you're doing. I don't really care. I'm not judging, but I hope you try to be as safe as possible. Whether you're staying home, locking yourself in the chamber, in the basement, or if you're going out to see friends, do your best to or stay family. safe. Yes. I heard 2 million people flew or traveled today. Yeah, I heard like it's been the busiest travel in the la since last Friday that it has been since March. Well, makes sense. People are definitely going stir crazy. They are, and and Thanksgiving is so big, man. Mm -hmm. In this country, is I feel like it's bigger than Christmas in a way in terms of being with family and traveling. I agree. I agree. Do you know how to say Thanksgiving in Spanish? No. How do you say it's it? It's funny. I had my Spanish lesson yesterday, and one of the first things Daniela said to me, she said, Feliz Acción de Gracias. And I was like, <laughs> Acción de Gracias? And then I put it together pretty quick. Yeah, I was like, giving thanks. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and then I started thinking about the word Thanksgiving itself, and I was like, well, that's a weird one, too. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I always think about how, like, direct that is, Thanksgiving. Um, but, yeah, I didn't think the Spanish version would be so direct. But it sounds much more action-y. Mm-hmm. Um, well, was, it has uh, the word in the title. I was watching a Norwegian show recently and the way they said Merry Christmas to one another was it's just one word and I can't remember, but it's like or something like that. Hmm. And I'm like, this sounds really cute. I love hearing Norwegian. I don't know why. It sounds super hmm. cute. So you know, that's Sweden. Where, that's where Adrian is now with his wife and newborn. Yeah, that's where they're based. You didn't know that? I forgot. I where was he before that? He wasn't in Belgium. Norway. Yeah, I thought he was in Belgium. I didn't know he moved to yeah, Norway. I don't know how much their personal life they want me to speak about on the show. However, he is on a Norwegian uh, comedy show, and he's the only English-speaking um, character. Even though everybody, I mean, everybody in Norway speaks English, uh -huh. and he showed me some clips. But he was last year in in New York and um, yeah, the, the Norwegian language is very interesting to hear. Yeah. 
And then certain things sound very similar to English. Uh, they have, so you can catch some of the stuff. And Sweden feels the same to me. That's why I really like how different it sounds. And then you're like, oh, it's almost English at times. It's trippy. Who has longer words, Turks or Dutch or the Dutch? Good question. I'm going to say Turks just because mm -hmm. I'm Turkish. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I, I think both Sharon have... will know, will inform us soon. Our producer. Our producer. <laughs> 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 How was your day today, Adam? Anything interesting that you've done? Um, uh, another, another, um, another day of, well, it's, it's still nice out. So that's amazing. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful day. So I got up kind of early. I've been getting better at that and went back to the gym. Um, did some climbing. Um, I love this. Um, <laughs> took a long walk. No, not too much. Um, I had a lot ready to talk about, and then I'm now I'm here, and I'm just like. Mm -hmm. So I today watched. Uh, I not watch read uh, the little Prince pop up book that you got me as a gift years ago. I don't know if you mm -hmm. remember you got that to me as a gift. Uh, because I love that book and I was so excited when the pop-up book was coming out. It was just so nice. I had such a great time rereading that today. Hmm. And now I have, I, before, on my last day in Argentina this January, I bought the Spanish version of that book and I had started reading it in February. But I figured I better read the English first and then read the Spanish after, retry reading it rather, so that I can already know what I'm reading about. Maybe that will help. Yeah, that will help. Sense a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been into reading children's books lately that are like sort of adult children books too. The other one I started is Rod, Rod Dahl's Matilda. Have you ever read that? Uh, probably a long time ago. I read a lot of Roald Dahl in school. I've only read the tweets by him before, and it's hysterical, I think. Well, there's James and the Giant Peach. That's the big one. Yeah, I hear that one's really good, too. Um, but, yeah, I look forward to reading this one in the next couple days. I did do my homework today. I did. I listened to the portion of our last show with Adam Tully when he was here back in July to make sure we don't. I try not to repeat things, <laughs> questions, no and things about like cooking. that. Well, I want to get an update on the cooking, <laughs> but we don't have to go over like his life story this time because we did that, so people can go back. I think it's episode sixteen, seventeen. In Something July like that. sometime. When yeah. they, can, they can learn more about our guest who's going to be on soon. Um, but it was fun to go back to that episode and, and just, you know, he's a very chatty guy. He's got a lot to offer. Oh and um, yeah. got some more questions for him tonight that I'm interested in. I saw a funny, I thought maybe we'd try this. We do uh, 
a, a speed, like, how do I say this? Um, speed question thing. Like, you give people, you give somebody one minute to answer as many questions as possible. <laughs> oh, one minute to answer as many questions as possible? Yeah, so you make them quick. You know, like, what's your I favorite see. color? Or, you know, name the top three tango songs you love or... We need to be quick and asking. Favorite too. tango. Well, I don't have, I, I wasn't prepped <laughs> for tonight. I'm just telling you this idea. Um, I see. Because there so, was, uh, I saw this on another thing and I thought it was really funny because people get really um, flustered when they know they only have, you know, a certain amount of time. So they just throw out the craziest answers. I see. Man, mm -hmm. I want to be the first one to do this. Like maybe we do it one show where, you have some questions for me and then I have some questions for you, but we don't tell each other what the questions are. Mm -hmm. So I time you and now you time me. That well, Sharon got back to us about the Turkish the question between which language has the longest word between at least Dutch and Turkish. And apparently it's Turkish. It's 70 characters. Holy shit. And it means as if you would... Be from those we cannot easily or quickly make a maker of unsuccessful ones. Hold on. I have to read this. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if this makes sense. I need to reread this like word 5,000 times more. No, you spelled it right, Sharon. Um, I thought the longest word was like Czechoslovak. Are you what? one of those who we cannot convert to Czechoslovakian? <laughs> <laughs> Seventy characters—that's a word, man. I dare you all to learn Turkish now. God. Um, <laughs> so I would ask you what you're doing tomorrow, or I would ask anybody to let us know what they're doing tomorrow. But I'm worried people might be afraid to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not afraid. I'm just gonna get together with a few friends, very low key. Uh, I've been isolated for 10 days mm -hmm. and I just got my test results today. Actually, in the middle of a sound check with Adam today, Adam Tully, I get mm -hmm. a phone call and then I was like, shit, I was, of course, going to hit ignore. But then I recognized the number as the lab's number. And so I had to like tell Adam, all right, hold on a second. Stop playing. They called you? Me. Yeah, because I've been calling them to get my results the last couple of days. Anyway. So, mine always emails negative. me the results. Which is nice, but they're so busy that they are behind. Mm -hmm. So because I called, she returned the call and then emailed me. It was nice. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. So I'm getting together with very few friends and very uh, responsibly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I need to, uh, I need to see a few people 
It's been too long. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to go upstate on Sunday to see Jason and Anna, and then I packed up my car, which took quite a while. I had to put a barbecue in the back seat, and I got up at like 8 o'clock, had breakfast, did the whole deal, and then around 10 o'clock, I'm ready to ship off, and I go out again after I load everything up, and luckily, I checked, and I looked down at the front right tire, and it's flat. Oh, shit. And I was like, God damn it, because we just had a flat back in August. On the other front tire. So we had the tire changed and then I drove to this local place down the street and they checked the tire and they said it's actually not flat. It's just corroded at the rim. So they were able to fix that and it was actually got done everything in about an hour and a half. I was pretty surprised. That's and amazing. It cost me like 20 bucks. Instead of buying a new set of front tires, which would have cost, you know, a lot more. And, and you just changed them. Right? I know. I just did all this work on the tires. and <laughs> But we have these, like, like those a little month ago thin or tires. Something. August, yeah. Uh -huh. We have those thinner tires. And they just pop more easily, especially in New York City streets, I guess. Oh, I see. However, this wasn't a pop, but yeah, anyway. Well, and then in the end, you couldn't go. Oh, you well, so that was my getting. I was getting back to the point about isolating. I haven't seen really anybody besides Sharon in quite a while, um, but we're still just hanging out the two of us tomorrow. We got chicken, brining and buttermilk right now. I've got. Ooh. Um, I made you know those little fried onions you put on casseroles. Yeah. I made those myself, and I guess you're supposed to use scallions, and they came out really well. Hmm. I made them today in case I fucked up. I could try again tomorrow, but they came out well. So they're going to go on top of the, we're going to do like a green bean casserole tomorrow with the, the chicken and the mashed potatoes. That sounds amazing. And no, Adam Tully, if you're listening, we don't only talk about food when you're on the show. We talk about food a lot because <laughs> there's nothing else to fucking do during Corona. So I have a question. Can someone uh, get jittery overdose of protein with overdose of protein? Because today I made, like, I had one meal, and I think I will have only had one meal today because I had it, like, around 4.30 p.m., even though I got up much earlier in the day. And But I've, like, had steak and eggs and quinoa salad. Mm. all freaking protein heavy and then i was like i need to go for a walk but i felt like this i need to go for a walk i need to go for a walk like i was uh high or something or i had coffee or something well you didn't eat what did you have you had eggs quinoa and steak you said yeah so nothing protein. very heavy so no it's just very protein heavy Right, but I okay. The reason I'm saying that is because I just had a tuna melt like two hours ago, and I be and I, and I haven't really been able to move well. <laughs> <laughs> this this happened the last time I had a tuna melt. Really? Like, Why? It's just I'm thinking it's just so heavy because it's bread, cheese, mayo, and oh. then tuna fish isn't that heavy. But when you mix all the other shit in there, uh, I think it's just a lot to put in your body at one time. And you had steak, quinoa, and eggs, high in protein, but not high, no carbs at all. Um, so, or very little with the quinoa, I'm guessing, but a lot of fiber, a lot of protein. So, it actually could be energizing. 
Yeah, maybe that's why I felt like sort of jittery. Like I felt like I had energy and I needed to go do something. I couldn't be in the house after. Um, but I did my first quinoa successfully, quinoa salad. Um, first time I tried, I told Sharon this like two months ago. I think I tried and it was a disaster. I hated eating it. It was so mushy. It tasted like, I don't know, cardboard. And I think it was the quinoa that we had at home was just not a good kind. And it was the directions on the package was all wrong. So this time I found a good recipe online and bam, it was fabulous. All popping in my mouth. It sounded dirty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything's dirty these days. <laughs> exactly. Should we ask our... Quinoa uh, pops in your mouth and you get excited. <laughs> That's how exciting life That's is. That's where we are right now. <laughs> but there is the uh, the light at the end. Yes. It's coming. It is coming. I think that's why I've been kind of perked up the last... Well, first it started with the election. That that really perked me up. And then just watching, and I don't want to get political too, for too long, but I'm just telling you why I'm perky. Um, obviously, this vaccine on the horizon is, is helping, and then just like the election, and then watching how just how pathetically Trump is taking it. It's just like really funny and sad. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, all those things rolled together. Um and the weather's I'm still not... been pretty decent. Yeah, exactly. On top of it. And I'm back. You know, I'm sure excited about that too. Well, I haven't actually seen you yet, so you could be in Timbuktu for all I know. Well, you're closer to be able to see me. How about that? Yes. 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 So I'm very excited about that. Well, on that note, should we invite our guests to come on? Sure. I um, would like to let Adam know because I told everybody else that I, I listened to our podcast from July, Adam. So when you call in, you won't have to worry about me asking any of those questions again ever. <laughs> we have brand new questions for you tonight. I don't promise the same thing. <laughs> like, where are you from? Did you yeah, grow up in D.C.? <laughs> Did you live in New York for 20 years? Are you, know, you an all American? These... <laughs> How do you say your last name? Why depending on where name? you are. <laughs> all these things. We'll just we'll, we'll get through those really quick just to just to catch yeah. up review from the last one. So, well, we have uh, Danny Carpy calling in, so we're going in the <laughs> other order. <laughs> Hello? Hi, Danny. How are you? I guess Adam Hello, was supposed to come in now. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have Adam first and then we'll call you in. But I'm glad you're on. So you can be well, on we, with us we, while we he's can, on we, too. We wait for Adam together. Yeah. Okay. Adam, so join did us. you, did you see you. that I tagged you on uh, Pablo Aslan posted a photo of... I, um, I actually the, saw it uh, a few minutes ago. I, I, guys, I fell off Facebook a long time ago. And I tried to step in again, but it's it's, it's not easy. It's, not easy. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's like it's, it's okay. like when you leave Tango and try to come back. 
Well, that too. That too. <laughs> that, that's, been, that's been even harder. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome, Danny Carpy, um, to the show. We, um, Danny is one of the oldest, not by age, but oldest um, organizers in New York City. And hello, Adam. Welcome. Hi, Adam. Yes. I, I was going to ask red quinoa or regular quinoa, but we've moved on to other stuff. It's, so. it's, it's actually Hi. three colors, the, tri, the tri-color. Okay. Oh, what's the other color, blue? <laughs> there is red, brown, and white, hmm. or yellow, whatever that is called. Well, a few days ago, That's I amazing. like five kilograms of quinoa. It was really an awesome price. It was kind of gray, I would say. And it was an incredible price. Really, really. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't That's avoid by buying five kilos. Holy <laughs> shit! How <laughs> long is last, that gonna no? take? Quinoa can store for a long time. Doesn't yeah. matter. And and I eat a lot the, of. Quinoa. The trick is you put it in. Um, but I don't Adam, know, I, need, I need the trick work. to. I need the yeah. trick to 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 wash it because the reason it was so oh. cheap. Is because they they grow it in a, in a place near the beach in in, in Miramar, and um, and apparently it's well it, of course it's not the area for quinoa but they claim it comes very good, but uh, it collects a lot of uh, of, uh, of dirt no and it has um, quinoa has a, 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 I don't know the name in English but it's saponina saponins I would imagine yeah that's yeah. And, and it's like the anti, uh, um, let's say, it's not very digestible. So and it sounds, un- un- it, it un- tastes bitter, food. apparently. It tastes yeah. bitter. So you really yeah. need to wash it properly. So that's one of the things with quinoa. You have to really wash it properly. But this one, it's, it, it takes forever to wash. I mean, I lose a quarter in the process. But Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but it was what cheap. Was going to say, Adam? It was uh, it was an awesome price. <laughs> what I was gonna say, what I was gonna say, as cool as quinoa is, everything else is so much more interesting. Danny, first of all, it's great to talk to you after like years. Awesome. Like, been I don't know time, when man. was the last time I saw you. I have no and idea. Just today, <laughs> I thought that that photo it was amazing. I just I you know I didn't know there was photos of me playing at Belle Epoque because. That was so long ago, and I don't know. It was. It was. I thought it was the best milonga in New York, at least at that time. It was such it a was special the, place. So it was, it was like so before great. Before cameras were invented, I think it was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so. It's so odd. Okay, yeah. I just want to really quick. Pablo Eslan posted those photos randomly. He's been posting a lot of old photos of New York stuff lately, uh, and. Uh, Obviously, it's it's so odd that it was today, and you guys are both our guests today. And what's also odd is that over the last thirty-seven episodes, more often than not, we'll have guests on the show because we usually have a musical guest, and then we have an interview, or and we end up interviewing both guests, obviously. And more often than not, they've had worked together at some point many years ago, and they haven't talked to each other in a long time. And here we go again, and it's so cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so that you guys are reconnecting after so many years. And I just want to say also, that photo was from like the end of 20, oh, 2004, right? That's when we yeah. started. And I started in May of 2004, so I probably had been to La Belle Epoque 
two or three times and just pissed my pants both times because I was so terrified of the place at that point in my tango life <laughs> because it was so like it was like the uh, big boys taking you know it was like the real milonga in New York City back then you felt like you were going into time warp it was like go you got to yeah. like really show up with your a game to that joint yeah well, it was, it was also more. the only place that was not at the studio the only milonga i think that was not at the studio well then i see now besides Chelsea market oh yeah and Nacional. true yeah uh, and danny you had a it was knack beautiful Actually, um, so Danny, we're gonna. How how, how do we want to start, guys? Should we start with Danny or Adam? How do you guys feel? I'm I'm okay either way. We can go in and out. Whatever you guys want to do. Yeah. Okay. What, I'm gonna. What you plan? That's fine. We're we're gonna break some rules. We're gonna. Five questions. <laughs> Five questions. Oh. Five questions. Five questions. And Bat Johnson and MC Hammer say hello, by the way. Um, I was about to say that's Bat Johnson, right? Now. <laughs> yes, it is. It definitely is. The so, Danny, inimitable I've... voice. Yes. Danny, magical. I'm really curious. How did you find La Belle Epoque and convince them to let you have a milonga there every Friday night? Okay. Uh... So I, I started with an event uh, that was, was called the Nomad Milonga. That's the, that was the first tango event outside the circuit of, of the tango studio, of, of the dance studios, not even tango studios, the dance studios. And uh, the first event was at, the, at a place, you may know it, in the Lower East Side called the CSV Cultural Center, Clemente Sotovelez Cultural Center. Oh, yeah, that place is great. Yeah. And so that was the first milonga. We can talk about it later if you want to. And uh, and the second event. So my idea was like one event a month, and and to have a flavor of a different place in the city. So it was a great, you know, a great time in New York in which you can just have events in in places that today would be absolutely impossible. And mm-hmm. uh, and the second event was uh, La Bella Park. And I knew the place because I had gone to um, like a, a, a party with um, of a Cuban guy actually um, with a, with Cuban music. It was kind of a, a closed door thing. It was his birthday? I knew it from uh, through a friend of mine, and it just blew my mind the place. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I'm staying there. I have to say. Um, I never thought it was not my kind of place. <laughs> so you were always thinking originally to do like pop-up events. Yeah. In the I, early I was, days. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to say it was an incredible place. It was yeah. absolutely incredible, but it, it was a very difficult decision because that was the second place. And the, the first was the first place was fantastic. And the first event was not something you could repeat. Mm. Uh, but but people in New York uh, and the ta- the tango people back then uh, had a different image of what tango should be. Uh, I was probably being more underground, living in Buenos Aires, but I was actually in New York, and the public was New York public uh, dancing tango from the you know the previous generation, and they were not looking for underground places. 
even mm. though lots of people came and lots of people from, not from Tango came to the event, the first event. But the, the Tango crowd, which is what we, we needed, you know, we want, of course, I wanted other people too to make their community grow because it was very small. But um, we needed the, the Tango crowd. That's the soul of the, of the party. Yeah. And, and, and they wanted to stay at La Park. So um, after the first event, I had to stay there. Just it was not possible to keep on doing pop up without having yet uh, a community, you know? I yeah. see. Mm-hmm. And Adam, uh, not, not Adamo, I, this is how I'm going to distinguish you guys today. Uh, <laughs> Adam, what was, like, what was it like at that time to play at Milongas? Or like how often were you able to get a gig at the Milonga at the time? Well, what I remember was there was a lot of work. I started playing tango in New York in about 2001. Mm-hmm. And... There were very few milongas, and and the musicians that played at milongas, I, I got into it very quickly. I mean, I had already studied tango in Argentina in the 90s. I, I knew some things about it, but I really learned on the job. And like in that photo, I'm playing with Tito Castro, and I learned a lot yeah. with him because there was work available, and they knew that I could play, and I, I basically learned how to play at milongas with him. And I remember working at least once a month, maybe several times a month. And then, you know, in later years, it was a lot less because just the numbers changed. There were more milongas. There were many milongas per night, and that was great, I think, in a lot of ways. But um, in those early years, it was it was a great experience for me because it was pretty frequent, and I was, I was learning a lot of the things about the style. Nice. With, especially Do with people think- like Tito. So, yeah. Wow. Is it, do you think like it became less gigs over time, even though there was more milongas because it's not the number of people that danced increased so much, but then the crowd sort of dispersed into more milongas? Absolutely. It was just economics. It was just numbers. And so by the end it was harder for us to make money and we we just didn't play as often because there wasn't a budget at the beginning there was like always a budget and there were milongas that had live music every week because they wanted to. And they, and I think the numbers just made it possible. I mean, Danny probably knows more about this than I do, but that was my, that's what I perceived on my Uh end. Um, And, you know, but the thing about being a tango musician and I remember in New York at the time was we, I loved playing at milongas, but I also wanted to play in other situations like the, restaurant gigs like I played with a pulpo for years at um, Via de la Pache, you know, Uh for about eight years. And then I played in Brooklyn. I really enjoyed doing those things because that's a different way of playing music. And it's, it's important to us too, but it was all important. So, you know, but the, the Milonga was nice work and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel strongly about it. Like, I mean, I, if you tell me I'm playing at a milonga every, every week, I'm very happy about that. You know, I, I love mm-hmm. the situation, but you know, I try, I also try to balance it with the other style with the concerts. Um, but I, I have to say of the gigs in that, the, the venues in that early time in New York in the early two thousands, Belle Epoque was amazing. It was, I think it was the most special place, like just physically it was very mm. special. 
Can yeah. you describe no, the really... space? I want to hear both you and Dani describe the space because I've only been there once or twice, and my memory of it, I want to like remember it through you guys and like hear have people hear about it that right. some well, people missed. I, it. Danny probably knows he could tell, give you more detail, but I'll tell you very quickly what my impression was. Um, you went upstairs and then it was this, it was like you entered into the 1930s or 1940s. You were just in this other world and there was a balcony in, inside the space and there was a stage, an actual stage and the musicians went to the stage. It felt very elegant. And I remember there were windows that opened and you would maybe go out and people would smoke and look out at the street and it just felt like you were in Paris or some other city, yeah. some other decade. <laughs> it was magical. That's what I remember. That fits sort of what I have in my head too. How about you, Danny? How would you describe the space? Yeah, it, it was like a very, very elegant 1930s uh, French place. And uh, one thing that probably everybody remembers uh, if you dance tango particularly, but if you, if you didn't also, and it was the, the tile floors, uh, because- Yeah, yeah. I was gonna mention those damn tile black floors. And white. <laughs> yeah, I love I, I was waiting for you to say that because I heard about it, but it didn't affect my life. So <laughs> I knew it was an issue I, for I, It affected no, but it, me, were, but they, I loved it. They were beautiful. They were beautiful. It was such a gorgeous, yeah, it added so much to the space. That's what that as a remember. as a beginner leader, it was a nightmare. <laughs> but which is why my heart always goes out to to dancers when they complain about floors because I remember how hard it was to to bat you have all these other elements you're trying to battle, and when somebody throws like a really crappy floor in there, too, well, not that the floor was that crappy, but you know it's when it's not just like a smooth wooden floor, you're like oh fuck, I got one more thing to deal with tonight. And at, once you get your chops under you a little bit, your legs under you, then it doesn't really matter. But I remember like going in there, just being like, "Oh man, I gotta <laughs> dance with this. I gotta figure this floor out too. I'm still trying to figure out <laughs> everything else." <laughs> but it was a beautiful floor, and aesthetically, oh, yeah. especially. Yeah. And the and the balcony uh, surrounding the the one of the sides of of the better part was also stunning. You know. There were like tables for two upstairs in a side balcony that run from the front to the back. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah, it was like a yeah, loft. Yeah, it was remember. almost like a loft or something. Yeah. Ran, yeah. ran down the, and you had a spiral staircase that led up to it, right? Yeah. I don't mm -hmm. remember the staircase, but I definitely remember the balcony. And I just remember entering the space and feeling shocked and sort of like I felt miserable at the same time that. I mean, not miserable, but I. the minute I entered, I was like, damn, I can't believe I didn't come here sooner. But I think <laughs> yeah. I, know I had felt intimidated as a dancer to go there. Um, yeah, but the has, minute I, I a, went... It reputation. It did. Yeah. Maybe it did. Like, I, I <laughs> mean... I, I mean, that, that in it was, terms it was of hard. Like, it, was, it was overwhelming for many people because it was crowded and... Uh, at the, beginning, at the beginning, there were lots of beginnings on the floor because uh, the class was for beginners, and the idea was to uh, to attract uh, new people. And and then a lot of um, good dancers, but really good dancers, would come late at night, so it was kind of intimidating. And having forever tango, and um, and all the teachers from the studios, everybody will be there. It was yeah. I mean, it was intimidating. Yeah. 
and double tap the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that no, was it's... the place to be. I mean, exactly. for sure. I remember because it was the first time, it was the first place because I, I just remember seeing this tall guy with a ponytail in a nice double-breasted suit who's, who's now bald <laughs> and uh, yeah Tioma and he was like he was like the guy you just didn't fuck with you know I was like holy shit that guy yeah, is like yeah. serious dude and, <laughs> and you know if you get to know Tioma he's it. such a sweet just lovely man but but when he's at the Milonga and you don't know him, it's just like, oh, fuck. He was always dancing with, like, the best women in the room. And it was just like, wow. Yeah, there and there were a few gorgeous, like, tall Russian mm -hmm. followers. Um, yeah. Who I haven't seen in ages. But, yeah. Danny, I, I want to ask you, how quickly... What, when did you start La, uh, La Belle Epoque? And how quickly did the city's tango community grow compared to when you started, let's say, five years later, eight years later, until basically around the time you took off. Um, yeah. Because you said you started when it was like potentially a monthly thing you were thinking about. Um, yeah. But then, you know, when I got into tango, which was not very much later, tango already seemed to be happening every night. And Well, no, it, it is much later. Uh, when did you start it? Oh, you're right. You know, you're right. Because I'm thinking of that image from t 2004 you guys were just talking yeah. about. So, no, no, no that, no, that no. was 2004 yeah, when I started. started. Started in 1996. Yeah, 96. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, much later. Yeah. Seems like yesterday now, but yeah, it was yesterday. And so when when you started, and let's say compared to two thousand four, was there? Did you feel the the growth happening all around you, or did it just sort of seem like it just showed up? No, 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 no. It took it took a lot of work in the beginning. Mm -hmm. it took a lot of work, a lot of work, and uh, it it was uh, it was once a month in the beginning, and uh, and then we were. Then once um, the first weekly thing that I managed to pull off was uh, Sundays at SOBs, actually, before mm. La Bella Park uh, became SOBs. My yeah. God, Sundays at that SOBs. Place too. Yeah, because uh, our idea was was to um, be public, uh, not something for people that dance tango. Because uh, let's go to the beginning. I was uh, living in New York and uh, coming to Argentina once uh, a year for, let's say, a week. And, uh, and I would see the tango world grow here. Uh, it was not really something that was happening when I, when I left. It was very small. And, uh, and I was really out of, I was not really part of, of the tango. So I, I became very jealous of, uh, of, of the people in Argentina that were able to enjoy that. And I couldn't find that in New York. So I, you know, so that's how La Bellapau came about, you know, uh, out of my own need to create, recreate that, that I was just witnessing uh, mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in Argentina. I, I think most of us start events like for similar reasons that for yourself, we want right? to create something yeah. that we that want to be part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And that was like the reason that we started Tango Cafe. Um, I feel like, yeah, we, we had a group of friends that danced tango uh -huh. that didn't really feel they got any kind of respect when they went out anywhere. <laughs> like we were like young and just kind of not that good yet and whatever. And there was this community of everybody that was established and everybody knew everybody. And we were like, well, well, let's start a Milonga just for our friends, you know, fuck it. Right. Yeah. And we had, you know, Empire Dance was gracious enough to give us a Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, and then well, we took... also wanted a casual feel, like yeah, then a formal milonga feel at the time. That was another thing. Yeah, but and 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 I'm I'm assuming similar to your experience, Danny. Like it took yeah, yeah, that, six me, years, six was, months to a year la, just la, to get la, anybody. La was really casual. It was for me it was casual. Uh, oh, yeah? But what made it a bit uptight is is the not uptight, but uh, the, the the Frenchness. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and that it, it started with the with the hardcore all dancers, you know, it's like unavoidable that you're going yeah. to that that fight in between tradition and. and, uh, and oh, I think the space was actually uh, not uptight. The space felt to me. Uh, more casual than the people who showed up really dressed up and uh, you know that was to that me for, but, yeah. yeah that felt more unapproachable to me because but that was the thing about not just La Bella Pac just any milonga for me it seemed more formal uh -huh. and uh, unapproachable as a beginner so, uh, so I looked I a, for something that I could feel me and especially as a start, then you grow into it more and you understand the concept of Omilonga more and all of that. Yeah. But, yeah. So Danny, how long did it come? How, I mean, sorry, how long um, before you had monthly events and not just you, but the city and then became more weekly events? Well, um, I have to say, um, Rebecca was doing the Mondays. Uh, it was a, a weekly event, as I, I'm pretty sure it was a weekly event, but I'm mm -hmm. not hundred percent sure. But uh, um, so yeah, there was that weekly uh, milonga. It was in a dance studio, and, uh, and and it was different than what a milonga looks in a studio today. It was like a very ballroomy, like really, the lights were bright. There was not a single table. Um, it was another setting. It was not what it is today, and so that was the motivation. So um, that really helped make the community grow. I think La Bella Park really helped the community grow. Um, it immediately became the talk of the town, and uh, and a lot of new people every single week. A lot of new people, and that brought a lot of uh, and also also SOBs both. So that brought a lot of people that you see great dancers today, they started uh, either at Sobiz or La Bella Park. So at the, the beginning, the growth was really fast. Uh, mm. in, in two years, uh, we had an established, I would say, uh, weekly event on Fridays and, uh, and other um, places were sort of starting to, 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 um, to happen as well. Yeah, I don't know when when Juan Pablo joined me uh, and Coco at the beginning, and um, 
That's, that's interesting. I don't know how Juan Pablo, I don't know if you, Juan Pablo, you're listening. But um, what I recall is, is that uh, is there, was, there was a need of uh, anybody that worked. At, at, um, there was a need of, of making some money because you're spending a lot of time. They are putting a lot of energy and particularly in promoting, not just uh, at night. And um, so there was an, a need of making money. And for me, it was like zero motivating. For me, the motivation, and I didn't have, I, I had my work in, in the, at the university, so it's not that I needed um, any cash. Um, so at the beginning, for a year or more, was zero money. I needed to reinvest the money into promoting. So, mm. uh, and that's the reason why Juan Pablo and, and, and Coco opened uh, La Nacional because they, they wanted, you know, um, they had a different vision, they, whatever. And I, uh-huh. I could afford, I could afford the not making any. Yeah, I think that's where most communities start as people that have the, the ability the money to sort of bankroll things. Right. So if you're trying a, to make a living of, off of tango, it's yeah. really hard, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're just getting an event started in a community that doesn't exist. So I guess the fact that I didn't need that uh, really yeah. helped it grow in the beginning. That's what gave the, the boost, you know, that I didn't need anything. Yeah. So I have a question to both of you, uh, and I'll ask Adam to answer first um what do you guys miss about the new york tango scene or about living in new york well well you both live in, i have uh, to be Argentina honest now yeah i have to, yeah i have to be honest i in my personal experience i miss the i miss people i miss mm-hmm. individual people but um you know i lived in new york as adam said in the introduction for for 20 years <laughs> A little bit more because I was I was born there and lived there when I was a very little baby. But um, I lived most of my life there, and I lived there from my early twenties to my early forties, like about twenty-two to forty-two, and that's a pretty uh-huh. pretty great age to be yeah. uh, in yeah. New York. And um, so I the the thing about my situation is I moved to Buenos Aires, where you know I have so many things that I wanted like tango guitar there, there are about, there are hundreds of tango guitarists. I, I run a radio um, segment on one of the radio stations dedicated to tango guitar once a month. And I invite guitarists and I, I feel like there's so many amazing tango guitarists. They, they come in and we do like three guitarists at a time. We do a, da- a jam session. And everybody's amazing and there's so many of them and I will never run out of people to invite or I want to have a guitar jam session at somebody's house. You know, that it's like I'm in heaven with tango guitar. And then the other area that I'm in heaven with is tango composition, like new music, the whole scene in Buenos Aires with tangos, uh, contemporary tango composers. And we'll, I'm, we'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm sure, because of this album that I just produced. But yeah, yeah, yeah. like those reasons are are so important to me and they're so fulfilling that it's like, I don't even, even really care <laughs> beyond that, like which city is better. They're both amazing cities. Buenos Aires and New York are 
two of the most incredible cities in the world. I love them both. But I think my time now, it's my time to live in Buenos Aires. So I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not missing anything from New York except, you know, individual people like you guys and other people that I love very, very dear friends. I, I love going to New York when I can and playing there and seeing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I guess, uh, it's usually you either miss what you do or you miss people, I feel, about the city. And I, I guess I should, I should also send kind of a, a, an embrace to all of you, the Tango community, because it's like, once again, that picture that Pablo posted today that we're talking about. I mean, in, in many ways, I, I, just post, I, just, I just shared it and realized that, you know, when that picture was taken, I had been playing tango professionally for about three years. You know, mm-hmm. I was very new and I was learning a lot of things about how to play. And so th- that's the community that raised me, the New York tango people. And people are very lovely. And even, you know, I, when I started projects that were more artistic and more like not, not milonguero tango, more like, like music, original music of mine, the dance community was very supportive of me. You know, Bat Johnson and I did this um, event right before I moved to Argentina. We did, we started an event that was like meeting of the dance worlds and the musician jam session worlds. It was called the the New York Tango. (laughs) It was called the New York Tango Social Club. And we did about four of them, I think, before I moved. They were really fun. So I got to say, I love all of you and a big thank you to everybody in New York on the tango scene because those are those are the people I came up with. So that's great. Well, I hope you come and visit once all this shit is over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to. I can't wait. You know, I was there right before the pandemic started. Last January, I went to New York for four days and I played. So uh, short. You know. Yeah, it was really short in and out. But, you know, I would love to do that type of thing every year if I can. So when this thing is done, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to come back. Yes, we can't wait. How about to see you, you, Mr. Carpy? What do you miss uh, about New York? I guess like Adam, that what I miss the most is the, is the people and uh and from the New York Tango, what I miss is um, at, at the, the beginning of, of my time in Tango, uh, you would go to a milonga and everybody would be there. So the, mm. the, that sense of community was much stronger at the beginning. The Tango community was always very supportive, as Alan says. But um, but the beginning was was something special. You know, it's like you would go to a place and everybody would be there any day of the week because it was only one place or two places um, mm, yeah. a day. And uh, that made it very special. Um, I feel like when I hear stories of New York community in the old days, it sounds a lot like small communities even these days in the sense that the community really put the the weight of the event on their own shoulders and they took a lot of pride in it. Yeah. And now there's still a lot of people in New York who do that, but there's also 
a lot of people that just assume these things happen on their own. Exactly. This giant exactly. community exactly. is just waiting exactly. for them and it's, yeah. they're almost spoiled. And then yeah, all they yeah, do exactly. is like complain sometimes about things exactly. instead of appreciating the fact that yeah. you just fucking have it. Yeah. And I'm, exactly. I'm kind of feel like the silver lining of COVID, at least for like the first three or four weeks, once we get back, is people won't <laughs> complain for a couple days. <laughs> they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so happy Just to be here. And then like days. two weeks later, they'll be like, oh, there's a crack in the floor. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. But I, I go it to last longer than a couple days at well, all. Chico, we go to like a lot of small cities to teach and they're in the weirdest locations the milongas and the practicals <laughs> and everybody's just like yeah here we are this is our spot and it's like great yeah and then you will hear who post a- on facebook who are like counting like last night i was at a milonga and there was 12 men and 17 women and the floor was sloped a little to the left and i'm like what the fuck are you even doing here yeah. <laughs> i think it's tough in in big cities you know like there, there's something really beautiful when you live in a big city and you go to a smaller city or a small town to, to, pl- to play music or dance or teach. I've always found that, that there's this, you know, when you live in a place like New York or Buenos Aires, you're just like so privileged because everything is there culturally mm-hmm. and you have whatever you want 24 hours. And when you go to some of these other places where they have less, they value it. So I've, I've had that experience so many times going to play a little gig somewhere in some small town and people are so happy to see you because you're one of the few things that's available to them and they appreciate it so much. And maybe the New York tango scene at the beginning, it was, it was so young and new and growing that it had a little bit of that small town feel. Yeah, it is true. I never thought about it. This is a good analogy. It had, it had that feeling. It's like you were in New York, but it, Going into uh, a tango felt like uh, you were in a small community. But the other thing that bothers me, which is why I, I started this podcast over a year ago, is that the people, some people in these bigger cities that organize events, they don't really pay respect to who, who got them there. You know, mm. all of the people that held up the community for so many years and or built the community. It. Yeah. And it's it day in and day out, you know, Chico and I've been doing it for a very long time now. So we understand the, the weight of that. But I think it's important for people to appreciate every little thing. I mean, not every little thing, but all the people that were involved before and yeah. all the contributions they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it took a, it took a lot of work and, uh, and, and people were very together. I mean, I don't know. Well, I feel like wherever there is, yeah, and everyone worked together. Yeah, everybody worked together. The dance studios were were cooperating. Everybody, the people that came, everybody wanted the same. Everybody wanted the community, you know, Tango to grow. So we were all working together for that. There's definitely still a little bit of that, I will say, because we worked with Dance Manhattan and we worked with other schools and other teachers. Um, but it did sound like a very different era. Um, Adam, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your new project. Great. And I have 
your press release here. So new album just came out about two weeks ago, right? That's right. The La Historia Continua, the Astor Piazzolla. The story continues. And can you tell us a little bit about this? Because I, it says in your press sure. release that you, what did I, what did I write right here? That you had to, it sounds like how I feel about one of my tango teachers. I kind of had to like, well, you said his voice and his le- legacy weigh on us. And, um, and then eventually oh, you, read, you, just, you read the interview. Yeah. In Pagina Doce. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Not the press release. And yeah. And I feel like he did have such a big influence on the direction of the music that it sounds yeah. like what you're saying in your interview that anybody that came out, anybody that's trying to do anything new with tango music just immediately gets compared to Piazzolla. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, I, by the way, I, I love that interview, but it was kind of scary when it came out. I saw the headline and it said, the headline is, for years I fought with Piazzolla. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know uh, it, it, they're going for the controversy, but it's a very thoughtful uh, article that they wrote. And yeah, that was one of the main points of what I talked about was I think his legacy was outsized. I mean, you had traditional tango music and then this one guy came along who seemed to disrupt everything and create this new tango and his own style. And a lot of the composers that came after him in the eighties and nineties uh, and even beyond had this legacy and sort of felt like you had a choice, a binary choice. Like I'm going to write old fashioned tango music or I'm going to write new music. And if I write new music, it just sounds like Piazzolla. Hmm. And I think a lot of the people in the current generation today that are composing tango and there's so many new composers um we're, we're sort of free from that that legacy now because there are so many different styles of tango and that's one of the things well i'll, I'll talk about in a minute about the record and why we made the record there's so many styles in buenos aires that are happening right now of of instrumental tango danceable tango lyrical tango rock influenced tango like so many mm. things that I, now I think Piazzolla is amazing, first of all. I mean, I fought with him, but I made my peace with him. I think he's <laughs> a very important artist. And I, what I had to do personally was just sort of make the size a little bit smaller. So Because there are so many great composers, Horacio Salgan, Aníbal Troilo. You know, mm-hmm. I could go on and just name so many incredible composers, Julián Plaza, Tilio Stampone, so many people that influenced me. And then Piazzolla also influenced me, but it would be like in jazz if you had Benny Goodman and everyone sounded like big bands. And then suddenly um, John Coltrane came along and was playing like really crazy um, avant-garde music. And everyone thought there's only two options for jazz, you know, Mm -hmm. swing dancing or this like really avant-garde crazy stuff. And I think (laughs) both in both in jazz and tango, there's so many more options. It's actually a lot more diverse, but Tango music almost died in in some ways, like when that generation was dying. And one thing I'll say, I should say on this podcast is that I think tango musicians, we owe a lot to dancers for for the current revival that tango Mm. has had in the last Mm. 20 plus years. Um, I think the dance, the social dance scene was the engine that created a a scene and and a community. 
And then that, that benefited musicians. Even if musicians, a lot of the time, were interested in playing music, like I'm interested in playing music that you guys probably wouldn't consider danceable or you wouldn't want to dance to, or this album, Astro 2020, that just came out, when you guys listen to it and dancers listen to it, you'll probably say, okay, I'm, I'm not interested in dancing to this. This is more music for listening to, which is probably the way most social dancers feel about most of Piazzolla's music. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so as, as what I'm saying is I'm a big part of what I do is in that direction is composing new music in tango. And it's maybe not geared towards dancers, but I think I'm, I'm very grateful to <laughs> the current tango boom. And I think dancers have everything to do with that. But you also said right now there is a lot of like different composite compose. There's a lot of, variety of compositions going on right now right now meaning yep. this year because of covid and there is oh no I, I mean i mean in the mm, no 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 actually i mean in the last 20 or 30 years and actually okay. maybe what i should do i'll tell you this is a concept album and uh -huh. i'll tell you what the concept is and how it was born and then everything I'm saying, I think, will make a lot of sense in that. Con every when I talk about the current tango boom and all that, will okay. make a lot of sense. So there's a reason why it's called Aster 2020, La Historia Continua, which means the story continues. So Aster Piazzolla 2020, the story continues. So and in Spanish, Historia is is story and history. Um, Aster Piazzolla composed a piece in the mid to late '80s called Historia del Tango. Histoire du Tango, and he put a French title on it. Mm. And it's the history of tango. And it's a piece for guitar and flute. And what he tried to do was tell the story of the history of the music mm. from in the 20th century, basically, from the time yeah. from 1900 until the current day. And it's very interesting because he put uh, dates on every movement. There are four movements in the piece. And they're dated like 1900, 1930. So last year I was on tour in Japan and I was playing this piece. And after one of the concerts, a Japanese guy came up to me and said, oh, you know, this is a very interesting piece. And I, I wrote an article about it and you should look at the dates. And I thought, okay. And he said, if you notice the dates in the titles of these movements are all 30 years apart, right? It goes... Yeah. And he tells, he puts the tango in a different um, place where it was practiced in, the, in those eras. So he says, Bordello or Bordel, like a, um, uh, like a whorehouse, basically, 1900. And then he says, Cafe, 1930. And then he says, Nightclub, 1960. And then the <laughs> last movement is called Today's Tango. And so the Japanese guy says to me, look, it's 30, 30, 30. It's always 30 years. So even though today's tango doesn't have a date on it, if you put 30 years, it would be 1990, right? So it yeah. goes 1930, 1960, 1990. And then he looks at me and says, the next, the next one will be 2020. And so I'm like, whoa, thank you. And I, I sit there <laughs> thinking about it. And I'm like, well, that means that there's like, we have to write a new chapter because That's Astro amazing. Piazzolla wrote the first four chapters. And now there's been 30 years and the music is totally alive and it's totally creative. And so we have to write a new chapter. So what I did was um, I got together a group of composers and I said to each of them, let's each of us write the fifth movement to Astro Piazzolla's History of Tango. 
and you're going to write an original piece of music that is for this album. And it's, you can think of it in two ways. You can think that you're writing a piece of music that could be played as the fifth movement of the piece, or you could think that you're writing a letter to Astor Piazzolla because here's the thing. Piazzolla died in 1992. So it's like Mm -hmm. he, he wrote the history of tango and then he died. And so 1990, that's, that was current for Astor Piazzolla. That was like the, the contemporary tango. So I said, you could pretend that you're writing a letter to Astor and you're saying, this is what tango sounds like today, according mm-hmm. to me, to my personal voice as a composer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, I realized very quickly that I, if, if I were to try to invite every contemporary tango composer, I would have like about 300. I would have to make about 30 albums. So it's, it's very limited. It, it would be impossible to include everybody on it. So what I said was, I want to try to find a balance between different styles, different voices, different aesthetics, um, and different sizes, different instrumentation and sizes. So we have this album, Astro 2020, has everything from solo bandoneon to tango orchestra. And it has um, two tracks that have um, Spanish guitar on them, which is guitar, guitar is a very important part of tango. Um, it has two tracks that have woodwinds that has either flute or saxophone, which is somewhat unusual in tango. Mm-hmm. And it has two tracks that have drum set on them. And it's, it's very creative and it's very diverse. And Amazing. I've, some of the reactions, it's been, we've been getting really good press in Argentina. You saw that, um, article and we've gotten a bunch of radio shows playing it and a lot of the feedback i've gotten is this is really fun to listen to because it's so diverse so even if you're someone who doesn't it's not you you don't have an easy time with contemporary music or contemporary tango or instrumental tango one of the things that's nice about this album is that every track is so different so -hmm. it's not like 11 tracks from a contemporary artist it's like it's like a uh a mixer of 11 different tracks. It's amazing. Um, So that's, that's the story. That's the concept behind it. And it goes, you are too (laughs) telling it. I love it. Oh man, this has been such a journey. I mean, the, the, the story in Japan was in about April of 2019. And then we, we, we launched the project in November, 2019 and we did a Kickstarter and we got, money from Kickstarter. So thank you if you're listening and you donated. Um, I know you're listening to it already and there's going to be a physical release early next year. So you get your physical CD. Um, and then we got a grant from the city of Buenos Aires. We got, um, they have a, a cultural patronage program where you apply with your cultural project and you get funding. And we got that too. So uh, it's been, I've been very fortunate Um to be making this thing. And then the pandemic hit. So I, the other thing that I'm very, I was, we were very fortunate about was we started in November. I told everyone, okay, compose your piece because we're going into the recording studio in February. So you have to write a piece really fast and then we're going to record it in, in February. And, and I trust these composers are, you know, a lot of them are big names. They're, they're I know all of them and, and they're very, very accomplished and I believe in all of them. So, I, I didn't have to hear their music before we recorded. I just said, you know, write wow. the piece and then we'll go record it. So I heard it for the first time. And I'm very happy. We're very fortunate that 
we did all the recording sessions in Buenos Aires in um, February. And the last couple in the beginning of March, I remember the last recording session we were starting, we weren't wearing masks yet, but people were starting to do like the elbow, Mm -hmm. like the hello with the Mm -hmm. elbow thing, which is, which is weird in any country, but you guys can imagine in Argentina, how weird it is where everybody's (laughs) kissing all the time. And like, there's no personal space. Everyone is like touching each other all the time. So we got the last note recorded right before the shutdown hit. And then we were supposed to put the thing out in June or July and we were going to do a big concert and everything. And obviously it took a lot longer because we had, I had to finish the album long distance, like, you know, doing zoom, we did all the mixing and, and editing over zoom, but we got it finished and we got it out two weeks ago. So I'm very, wow. very happy that it's, it was very important to get it out in the year 2020, obviously. Of course, of course. <laughs> so you <laughs> sent us three tracks. Which would you like us to play first? Pantaleon, Trilonga, or En El Camino? You know, it would be hmm. great uh, if you play Pantaleon first, because I'll say one thing about this album. It's it's an odyssey. It's it's a It's a concept album. And I know a lot of people don't listen to albums anymore. You don't like listen to a whole thing in order from beginning to end. But the order, I put the order together very much on purpose. And it starts, the, this, this track that you're going to play, Pantaleon. And Pantaleon is, is Astor Piazzolla's middle name, by the way. He was Astor Pantaleon Piazzolla. Uh-huh. Um, this is by a, a young composer named Pablo Murgier. He's from La Plata, Argentina, and he, he now lives in France. But... He's, he's, he's incredible and he's an incredible piano player and I love his music and he's just starting to become known in the last three or four years. Um, so he's one of the newest of this bunch. And then the last track is Ramiro Gacho, who is one of the most known in this bunch. He's been doing tango composition and playing in education for well over 20 years. His, his quintet has been playing for, for, they just had their 20th anniversary. So it's kind of like this journey from new to old and like all the different flavors of contemporary. So I think that would be a nice one to start with. Pablo Murgier Quartet. Danny, you haven't heard any of this album either. Nothing. It's for first for us all. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, well, let's start with Pantaleon, everybody. Uh, guys, before you start, Adam, uh, if just a reminder, you can mute yourself if you want to move around while we're playing the song. How do we it's do that? The same button Perfect. that you called in with. If you press that, it will give you the option to mute or hang up. Ah, uh, thank you. I'm going to mute myself right now. Yeah, me too. Enough talking. Less talk and more rock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. <laughs> beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I was yeah. listening to that. I was like, wow, we have really cool friends. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm very about, talented. Think about like the shit your friends uh, can do. It's amazing. 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 It was such a journey. Well, thank you. Listening to that song. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I think I think Pablo and look him up, Pablo Murgier, M O R. Well, you'll you'll see his name when when you listen to the album. It's on all the digital platforms it's on spotify and everywhere else so if people look up aster 2020 though they'll see his name and all the other artists that's the first track on the album so how many artists were involved so there well, there are 11, 11 composers I, i'm there's 11 tracks 11 composers and i'm one of those 11 so it's it's me plus 10 others and there are over 40 musicians that played on the album because that was the other criteria. This was all instrumental music by composers who play their own music. So it was, you know, you compose a piece and then you're going to record it with your main group. Mm -hmm. So it, it was really pretty, it turned out to be a pretty massive project. <laughs> so what an amazing idea though. Oh my God. How lucky you Adam. guys got wow. it for the most part completed just in the nick of time. Yes, we no exactly. That's exactly right. Then you'd just be hanging there, so, right? If that didn't so happen. Lucky. Well, it would have been such a anticlimax to be like in 2021, <laughs> <laughs> and also for I think also for press and all that. You know what I mean? And and we were also lucky. We didn't realize this when we um, when we launched the project. But there's other Piazzolla stuff happening this year because. There's an anniversary, 100 years. I think it's 100 years of his birth. And there's a documentary about him that's really, really good that's called um, The Years of the Shark. Los Años oh. de Tiburón. It's like Astro Piazzolo, Years of the Shark. And it was playing in Argentina in the theaters. Um, it did a run. I saw it in the theater, um, I want to say, two years ago. And they just brought it back, and they were playing it in a festival. So there's like various piazzola things happening in you know october november of 2020 just by chance but yeah i think we would not have done a good job with the press if we had been you know in like you know february march 2021 like hey aster 2020 you know <laughs> so <laughs> so it was, it was important um and I think what we will do is when the pandemic is over, we'll eventually we'll, we're going to do a massive, you know, concert in, in Buenos Aires. We, we couldn't we, we couldn't do the the album release concert. What I did instead, we did some private things for the press and for the Kickstarter donors. We did. Have you guys ever heard of a listening party like in the music industry? No, uh, no. Like you know, like Jay Z will will put out a new album, and like before it's released, they'll have a yeah. listening party, and it's like you know all the the big shots in the industry get get a private mm -hmm. listening before the album yeah, comes yeah. out. And I wanted to do that, and before the pandemic hit, I kind of thought about it, and I was like, no, that's stupid. Like nobody is gonna. It would just it wouldn't really work. 
And because of the pandemic, it was a fantastic idea. So we did two of them. We did one in Spanish for the press in Argentina and all of the artists, because here's the other thing. The 11 artists on the album, they didn't hear the music. They only heard their own piece. So when I finished producing it, yeah, we finished mixing and mastering, and, and the only people that heard the whole album were me and the engineer from the studio. So we had this Zoom party, and it was, it was all the composers, and some of them, uh, one of them lives in Europe, two of them live in Europe, you know, and one lives in New York, Fernando Otero, and it was all the composers and um, journalists from Argentina, and we played the tracks one by one. We listened to them all together, and we applauded. And then afterwards we talked, it was like a concert. It was really, really fun. Awesome. And then we did another one. Um, I know Amy is listening. Uh, she was at the one that we did for all the Kickstarter folks in English. That was, so anyway, wow. that was another That's thing about really, this, that really people cool. didn't, they <laughs> didn't hear it until, until the listening. Part. Well, I want to. I love you didn't hear it like as the, you know, head of the project. Yeah organizing it and your wife is the project manager right is yes that and the, that's the other thing i should I manager should. like well uh, that's the thing i'm i should i should say to, and now that you mentioned it chico i will say to everyone it's funny because my wife is uh she's she's my manager and she's the executive producer of this project and she's like the brains behind it. She's like the intellectual author and she's the muscle behind it. She did all of the booking and the finances and made my life so easy because I got to just be an artist. All I did was, you know, I composed a piece and then recorded with my trio and then coordinate with all the other musicians and produce their sessions. And then I, well, you know, I did a lot of work too, I guess, but it was very Adam, nice because sometimes a record. I want to acknowledge yeah. that you're the most honest married man I've ever heard. You just said, my wife is my manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because a lot of... Uh, yeah, okay, that's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, so anyway, it was, it was a great journey, but it, it was like the most... This is the most ambitious thing that we've done since we've, since we've been working, since we've been married and working together, so... It was incredible, and it, it it was really a joy. It was a luxury. It was a privilege for me because a lot of times when you're a record producer and you're an artist and you're doing something you believe in, you do all the musical stuff, but then you also do like scheduling the recording sessions. You know, you do the budget, and it's a total nightmare because we don't tend to be so good at those things, artists. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My yeah. my wife did a great job, and she's also she's a PR person. She's the one that does all the press so anytime you see a press release or you see like the social media of the album Astro 2020 it's actually I recommend looking at the social media Facebook Instagram and Twitter because um, it's really beautiful and she did a bunch of videos where there's like an image and then you'll hear a clip of, of uh, two of the composers that type of thing it's really so fun. cool you guys could team up cool. with so yeah I owe yeah, yeah, it was really, it, those types of things, you know, I've known over the years, I, I've been a musician my whole life, and I, I spent a little bit of time working in the music industry, and I've seen the famous, like, husband and wife collaborations, or, or couple collaborations, whether it's, like, a musical duo, or one manages the other, and 
I always said to myself, I'll never do that because that just seems so dangerous to, to mix business and pleasure. But, but I feel very fortunate because, because uh, we worked it out and thanks to her, we, we were able to do this nice. project. That's great. Never say never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. I mean, it works for some people, you know, it, it, I, I'll say it doesn't work for most, but it works for some. And I think it's great. I congratulate you guys. I'm, I'm it's so wonderful. It's yes. so uh, nourishing and enriching Inspiring. to hear. Um, I wanted to ask if you would give us the uh, honor of playing something live for us, or would you prefer to stick with the, the album flow? What do you think? I I would be happy to play something live, but yeah, if, if, if I had my choice, I would say let's stick with the album and rap. And I don't know how much time you have. So uh, have if I could play something after, <laughs> I would, okay. if, if, if we're going to do both, I would, I would do the tracks okay. now. Yeah, I mean, okay. for, it's up. earlier okay. for us than it is for you. Um, you sent us. I'm okay. <laughs> I know. For, for most, well, in, 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 for most in Buenos Aires, this is like getting up from nap time right now, you know? midnight yeah it's true it's, it's, din- it's dinner <laughs> time, time to floss and get to the milonga yeah yeah <laughs> well i want yeah, to yeah, say yeah, something yeah. to danny danny when you were more like in the scene and organizing like how many times do you recall the musicians you got to know were recording albums uh, i sure sort of feel it. like that probably changed a lot over the years I did not get you the question. Like, do you recall during the time that La Bala Pac was on? Oh, how many how many musicians play um, recorded albums during that time? Yeah. Um, Well, I I can yeah I've I've seen um, many because there were there were too many years you know it was but um, Pablo Aslan at the beginning um, was the uh, recording with uh with um raul jaurena uh-huh. and uh and the new york tango trio and before that i don't remember how the, they were called and then uh, tito castro um and um isabel de sebastian and uh and bob Kelsen. This... yeah that was cool. l- like the, they put a lot of energy into Isabel, um, put a lot of energy to the community at the beginning. And, and she actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Adam, you, you may know this story, uh, but as I recall, she did the paperwork for to bring um, Tito to, to the States because she wanted a bandolion player and it was really difficult to find one. It was this guy... Um, forgot his name, an old guy, uh, um, that was very in relation, in the, sort of in the Colombian community, but he was Argentine. There were not too many uh, tango musicians back at the beginning. So I, I, I saw them all, you know, slowly coming with the recordings, and it was a, a great experience. I only heard about Isabella de Sebastian from Lucille when I interviewed her a long t- uh, about a year and a half ago. And right. she just mentioned the the impact that she had in in New York City in uh, late '90s and much before my time. And and then I guess she yeah. moved out to the LA area in the early 2000s. No, no, no. 
No, no, no. She 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 stayed in New York. She came to Argentina, then they went back oh, to New okay. York, and then she came back now to Argentina. But uh, well, yeah. to, to uh, me, it's sort that's of so interesting. Like I didn't know that she happening was happening now. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to sideline on Isabel. I didn't realize she was part of the tango scene because I think she was in it before I was in the times you guys are talking about right at the very beginning. Yeah, the very, and very then, our beginning, you know, because I'm sure there was, a, right. there was another beginning before our beginning, right? It's not the one. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> but but I knew her as like, I know her, uh, I met her briefly as, she's like, I know her as like a rock singer. And when it's this is a funny story, when I moved to Argentina in 2016, I was selling, I had a lot of guitars and I had to get rid of some. So I was selling some guitars uh -huh. and uh, I think maybe Pablo put her in touch with me and uh -huh. she came over uh -huh. and her son uh, was, was playing guitar and, and like bought a couple guitars from me. Wow. So, How many guitars Sebastian's son has. <laughs> oh, I, I need to put you in contact with him. He just moved to Argentina. Uh, and actually, oh, cool. a big thing was uh, to bring his guitar. So I bet your guitars are back here. <laughs> oh, it's such, a, it's such a big deal. It's it's such a, yeah, oh, man. Traveling with instruments yeah. like that. He's a sweetheart. He's a sweet guy. Very sweet. Yeah, guy. he was a nice kid. I remember they came over to the apartment. He tried the guitars, and I think he bought yeah. two of them. Yeah. Uh -huh. How many guitars did you have, and how many did you sell? Uh, you know, it's a all a haze. I don't remember. Uh, it was it was a few too many because the thing about guitars is you don't ever want to sell them. You you buy them and then you don't want to sell them. Mm. Um, so th these weren't like very expensive guitars. You know, guitar is a very simple instrument. You can have relatively cheap guitars that are actually pretty nice that sound pretty good. So you know, I had just a, a collection of different things, and and the ones that you know I had maybe. Four guitars that uh, were the important ones that I didn't, so that those went to Argentina with me. Oh, and I maybe had, I, I couldn't tell you exactly, and I had some, I had like a mandolin and I had, I had two electric guitars. I sold one of those. Uh, I don't, I couldn't tell you how many I had, but like maybe I had 10 <laughs> at the time. Wow. I don't remember. And mm. in an apartment in New York. I can imagine. In a, in a studio, and I, they were all hanging on the walls. <laughs> I would, I, it was a That's studio amazing. apartment, and the, the walls were just guitars. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I asked the question to Danny because I like feel, for me at least, there's a lot more albums coming out, and there's a lot more happening nowadays with uh, music. But I think that might be because like I know a lot more musicians. Uh, and yeah. like uh, a lot more that I am closer to that I am noticing it more or that yeah, it's but a I lot think it's true. easier reach because it's not on CDs. But back to Adam's like, point, yeah. I mean, you have orchestras that are touring these days that wouldn't have been able to tour without the growth of the dance community. It's you know, true. it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah, and I... And, that you're right that the tango network has grown around the world i mean there are a number of of groups orchestras are maybe smaller like sextet and 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 below and, and less in buenos aires that that tour pretty regularly in europe 
and it's like the dance scene is when you go i went to europe in 2018 and and when you go it's like the the milonga scene is like the the network that connects you yeah. and then maybe you book a fest one festival and you try to book some concerts and then you do all the milongas you can because that helps you make make the the numbers work out mm-hmm. so you're right and and then i think uh it's in a way, well, I, don't, I don't know if it's been easier to record. It's been maybe easier to put out albums. It's, it's still very expensive to record and put out an album. That's the hard part. But it, it's just more people are recording and putting out albums, which is, which is great. And I don't know. I think there's maybe more diversity. Even when I was at the point when I was leaving New York, I had started to do something a little more creative, which was to have a trio, the Adam Tully trio, where I write my own music and – we made an album, we recorded it. I recorded most of it in New York and then finished it um, here. Um, but I felt like around that time, there was there was some a lot of the tango musicians that I was playing with um, for the whole 2000s and 2010s. Like we got to a point where we were like, okay, we don't want to keep playing the same songs over and over again. We want to start doing projects that are a little more original. And uh-huh. there, there's, I think it, seems like the scene in New York is pretty healthy right now in terms of creativity and tango music. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Well, they have COVID, but other than that, yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> but and, again, and, I'm and talking Adam, about... <laughs> I'll also so mention... That's interesting. In Philadelphia, <laughs> Meredith Klein has been producing some orchestras lately and really what's this pioneering this new like she's an organizer she runs a dance school but she's also been organizing orchestras and and you know musicians to come play at her festivals things like this and i think that's a big i've also heard about this happening in other communities in the u.s more than ever and i think it's a really good thing for the evolution of the dance more than the music because mm. I was in Puerto Rico a few years ago and I was in Candado, which is like downtown the center. And there was this huge music festival and my friend Alberto, who is a tango teacher based in Cleveland, Ohio. He was like, yeah, there's a new album out and everybody's coming to see the band play the album. And I was thinking like, Wow, at that time, you know, we we didn't really have too many contemporary orchestras in tango as we do now. And if we did, they were just playing old music. And I was thinking like if we don't have some new stuff soon, we're going to start losing a lot of dancers because we need this new music to keep us inspired. And yeah, other yeah. Well, dance I think scenes have this, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, it's interesting you were talking about um, Philadelphia and kind of the growth of schools and, and dance and all that. And it made me think that there's there's also a movement uh, for tango musicians that's been growing in the U.S. in like the last, I want to say, six to seven years. Um, and Amy, if she's still listening, knows about this. And that's actually she and I met at Reed College. Um, and I, I taught there at a, uh, conference that Pablo Aslan organized and then at Tango for Musicians. 
And I know that there's the thing up in Stowe, which is dance, but also yeah. mm-hmm. there's a music element yeah. to it. And there's a growing, you know, I think it's it's limited. It's not a huge number of people in the United States, but it's a growing like movement. And let's learn how to play tango on instruments. And there's a huge movement in Buenos Aires, a pedagogical mm-hmm. movement that's, it's not like it's new in the last five or six years, but it's it's become a little more formalized. Like there's more university programs and the Tango for Musicians people have these method books. So it's kind of, and then there's like the um, orchestra, the, the orchestra school, Emilio Barcarce, which has been around for almost 20 years and has cranked mm-hmm. out, um, Ignacio Barczowski, who's the founder of that, told me that they've cranked out like 300 Tango musicians. Yeah you know, wow. <laughs> over time. So that's cool. That's And that's like young people that go into that orchestra and they study for two years and they come out and they can play. So that's amazing. It's a, it's a cool movement. I think there's, you know, it's part of the thing that's hard for me, like when I think about it in the U.S. is that the U.S. is so massive and there's so many people and so many styles of music. And, you know, if you're someone who doesn't know anything about tango, how would you ever find out about it and then want to play it? And a lot of the people that want to play it are people from dance communities that say, hey, it would be cool if I started a quartet with my friends and we could actually play at a milonga. And that's yes. like, yes. and that's a great thing. And I, I think all of us that have done tango education at these festivals in the U.S. have always felt like, let's get those people and then let's get the conservatory students that played a piazzola piece and and let's tell other people like, hey, tango music is really cool and you should learn how to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are these no, methods so and you should true. come to Buenos Aires. But it's it's great. It's great to see. I, I really I feel positive about it. I think there's been there's been a lot of growth in the time since since that photo was taken of, of us at <laughs> Bella Park in two thousand four. Yeah, I mean you guys have both no, it's interesting because the community No, go ahead. Sorry. No, what I was going to say is that it's interesting to see the the evolution of, of the relationship between the uh, the musicians of the music and uh, and the and the dancers. At, at, the, at the beginning, it was it was a fight. It was really difficult to play <laughs> any any <laughs> tango music that it was not really old school and really danceable. And, Really difficult, and uh, and speaking about fights, Adam, that was one of the biggest fights I, I had. I, I don't know, the Barapa was a place where we always, you know, promoted people coming and being doing some innovation, bringing something different, and uh, and that meant that people could not dance, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and. And as, as I used to say, people were dancing in their pants. It was, you couldn't put music that it was not danceable. People did not have the, the respect for that. And today, it's the relationship is very different. The community is very supportive to uh, tango musicians and to and gives them space to be creative. And of course, you need to play danceable music too. But um, but I think this, that is something that you helped construct by forcing it and musicians like Adam helped support by playing it. And then we all as organizers specifically have to cultivate 
the audience for it. That's what organizers' jobs uh-huh. are. We have to create the audience yeah. for those things. We can't always succumb to the demands of the audience. No, no, no. You kind of and so you have to no. say like, and this is why I brought up Meredith before because you're right. I I can't even imagine how difficult it must have been to have orchestras or sextets or or even trios even 10 years ago. I mean, I can remember how hard it was 10 years ago, um, let alone 20 or 30. But now you haven't, I don't know when the last time you've been in the East, you know, the East coast, Danny, but live music is super popular now. Exploded. It's exploding. I mean, La Nacional has a trio every month or two with Emilio Messias, Sergio Reyes, Raul Arena, um, the Aces of Rhythm wow. with Pablo Eslan and many others play at mm-hmm. um, Astoria. Astoria. We have Summit. you know, musicians yeah, at Armilonga, and people love it. And I think... And Dragon because- I, I didn't know. I was, I was under the impression... Every week. Right. That's awesome. I was under the impression of what, what Adam said before, and that's the memory that I had, that there was no longer um, a budget for having musicians well the budget is always a problem but but we negotiate and but ultimately we need to cultivate the crowd and this is whether it's you know you have a room full of people that want to learn a gancho that can't walk yeah you need to make those people excited about walking you need to help them appreciate what they need and what we need as a community is new live music and if the dancers yeah. don't like it, we need to get them excited about it. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but it's important. Man, can it, can I, Adam? Can we clone you? Can we make like <laughs> twenty of, of you? Guys? I, I hope so. I, I mean, love I, it. I, I think love... I think there are clones of me all around the. At least I know of some around the United yeah. States. And I was again. Yeah. This is why that's, I brought that's really great. about Meredith because I was so impressed several years ago when she started booking Emiliano and his orchestra and other groups and bringing them like she would book them gigs as like their manager. It was mm-hmm. so cool. And this is a woman who has That's a dance really school. She has her own shit. Right. She's got to deal with, but she's still like want to innovate the music, keep the live music alive and moving forward. And it's so cool. And even awesome. the attitude uh, change fun. with people. Like I know people who, never dance to live music because they don't deal well as dancers to the unpredictability. Like they're so used to listening to the same version of things or dancing to that same version because they know it so well. And it's not because they don't like live music. It's just they aren't good at it as dancers. It's another layer. But we can another only layer. like, it's another layer. Like the floor in La Belle Epoque. <laughs> Can I finish? <laughs> it's, I wanted to say that I've seen those people change their attitude at the Milongas, that it's okay if they don't dance for half an hour. They started still appreciating the energy live music brings, and they will be there in the room listening while others yeah. who manage well to dance to it or don't care that maybe they don't do that well, but they're excited about dancing to live music. Um, and it's just, it, it's 
it just brings extra energy because there is communication between the music and the audience. Yeah. Because there's an energy transfer. And when you see that as an organizer, like Adam was saying, there is a budget and we don't have that budget maybe, but I think organizers also started like, okay, I don't care if I don't make much money tonight, but this will bring life to the milonga and it will Uh feed, it will keep feeding the milonga. Yeah, and the community. it's awesome when you see when when when, the when people yeah. get excited about new music, if, even if they don't dance or they cannot dance, or it, it's awesome to see the you know dancers you know sitting down and listening and getting excited about new music. Yeah, and it's it's wonderful. Like it's it really it's great for us. I'm actually really curious yeah. if we would rewind to 1935 when Darienzo came out with Sabado Inglés and just changed the style of tango with that one recording. How many people at the beginning of that were like, this is not tango? <laughs> that's <laughs> a great, that's a great question. That it's it's yeah. an awesome question. Thing that revived tango. That w- that I wonder if we can, if, if we can just uh, bring some historians to shed some light on this because it's, it's an awesome question. Well, that's I great. think that's in really between great. the neighborhoods, there was that, no? Sorry, Chico? At least in Vija Orquiza, they definitely said that's not tango for Darienzo. We know that. Like, they didn't dance to Darienzo. Yeah. They didn't dance to Canaro. They only danced to Calo and wow. Lissarli and... Like, no, no, well, I'm talking styles, about how it there was changed. That acceptance. No, Chico, I'm talking about how in 1935 the sound of tango completely changed. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying. Hello, and the other rest came much later. It's true. But I was talking also like the fact that between the styles there was not an acceptance of each other, that I'm sure there was a rejection to what came out in the 35. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I was just like going a weird totally. way around it, saying definitely there was totally. must have been a rejection. But but yeah. that happened many times. Well, yeah. I I love to see the evolution. It's as a musician, it's been really wonderful because I think what you guys are describing is true, and it's it's nice to hear you since you're in New York telling us about how it's getting better. I mean, I think it's always a struggle because it's not easy. It's not even mm-hmm. easy to get listeners to listen to new music like if you play in a concert hall and people are there to listen to music they don't always want to listen to new music so but it's really great to hear that and i i remember um learning to play a very traditional style which is great i I like playing that style for dancing and then in my last couple years in new york trying to be a little more creative and all the musicians we kind of had this this idea like if we don't play El Choclo and Comparcita, and we play like really marking the rhythm, the dancers are going to hate us. Like we, we had that mm-hmm. idea. And I remember going to play at um, Triangulo with my trio in about 2015 or 2016. And I have some pieces in that group where it's like they're more concert pieces. And there's a, they're like parts where there's a guitar cadenza where the whole band stops and it's just me playing some notes on the guitar. <laughs> and and uh, Emilio Telval, who was playing piano with me in that group, 
He was mm-hmm. like, are you sure you want to play that? Like people are, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I was like, really, I was really adamant about it. And I remember that night we played all those songs and people applauded. Like it was one of the warmest that's the right place for it. crowds that I, I had. Say, Triangulo yeah. loves that. Well, kind of also, and maybe it was a special night and people like they hadn't had that much live music lately, but whatever it was, like that was a world of difference from when I started playing. Mm-hmm. I would never have thought that I could do that and, and dancers would like it. So that's great. I mean, I think, and I think all, all things are welcome. Like I think there's a, there's a very important place for live music where we play like Darienzo and Troilo and we, we play those, those arrangements. Well, I want to say, but I think, oh, sorry. you know, yeah, I think it depends on the dancer and, and what they're feeling like and what they want. And I think, there's there's so much flexibility if if people want it. I just want to say en- enthusiasm is contagious. And I grew up <laughs> in Cleveland, Ohio, where tango music only existed in a Huey Lewis and the News song. Um and <laughs> I got to love tango because other people around me loved it. So it's Can you tell us It's the story? not impossible for me happen? to think that through our own love for new music, we couldn't encourage other people to enjoy it. You know, I mean, especially if it's this great music you're producing right now and you're creating. Um, and so that's my point. It's like, I wasn't, I didn't grow up thinking, Oh, Tango's so cool. I should like it. I was encouraged. <laughs> like I, I, you know, got into it in my own weird way, but then other people were like, Oh, this song is rad. You should hear it. And this is how it goes, and this is the section, and oh, did you hear that little thing that just happened? And those things open me up to it more. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I mean, we learned, we acquired taste. Yeah. Like we don't. I, I love coffee, but I certainly didn't <laughs> I love hated coffee cheddar when I was like five years old. <laughs> yeah. And also, I hated mushrooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? I love mushrooms. Amazing. They're amazing. I love mushrooms. And also, like, I don't know, I if music didn't go this way, I feel the dancers, like what you were saying, how the community and social dance brought the music back. But I think it's also a time where the social dances needed the new music yeah. and the new yeah. arrangements and all of that, because yeah. otherwise the dance would die. I Like, it goes both ways, and now I feel it's also time for the dance to change a little and it's yeah. and it's going to be inspired by the new music otherwise it can't grow so can we play well it's been changing it's been changing now yeah yeah it has been it has been um, definitely i recall i totally recall when chicho came for the first time to new york and uh, i guess he stayed at home and um and we went to triangulo and he was like trying all the new steps that are, you see now everywhere. And, uh, and he was just playing and trying out. And uh, people were not that welcoming. And, uh, and today, you know, that teacher's way of dancing is all over the, mm-hmm. the place. At the beginning, it was like everybody will stop and, and watch what, this guy is crazy. What is he doing? <laughs> yeah. And now it's traditional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's kind of the way. Well, tango is old. 
<laughs> yes. All right. I, I want to play another song from Which the one tracks that next? Adam sent us. Trilonga? Yeah. That, that's right. actually, it's a great segue because that's the exact trio that I was just talking to you about. That's the Adam Tully trio awesome. that was founded awesome. to play my original music. And uh, this is a, the reason it's called Trilonga is it's a milonga, but it's not in two, it's not in two, four, it's in ooh, three. Cool. So there's oh, three awesome. beats to the measure. And, Excellent. and you guys know about the, la milonga campera, right? The slow, like folk yeah. milonga. Mm -hmm. So the first the half of this song is the, Exactly. So the first half of this song is the the slow trilonga, and then the second half is the urban fast trilonga. All right. All right. Let's give it a listen. Can't wait. I'm going to mute myself. And you as dancers, you can tell me if you think you could dance to it, or maybe you need three legs. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> okay, we'll see.
not some crazy milonga, my friend. That's three long. I was like, I can dance to that, but I don't know how many leaders can lead me to that. And then the ending, I was like, yeah, no, yeah. the ending would be impossible. <laughs> Maybe better for the concert hall or for some very creative. No, I thought to dance to it though. Yeah. I'm curious what Adam and Danny thought as leaders. <laughs> do you do you always need to dance a, a song till the end? Any reason why? Ooh, there you <laughs> go. Not if your no. not if your head explodes first. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking. I was just thinking. I was, I just, is, is there like another style where the music is either danceable or not danceable? <laughs> Like I love, I love the new, I love the new David Bowie album, but it's not danceable. <laughs> that's so funny. No Adam. music that you love that's, is generally danceable. Jazz music, classical music, the, rock and roll. Or all is danceable. But then tango is like. We well, you know it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you hit upon something very particular about tango social dancing in, in the 21st century. Because if you ask a, mu a musicologist or a musician, like people will tell you, yeah, a lot of these musics have, like went through an evolution of there's a danceable style or a dance a music right, that like was rock and roll, invented to accompany a dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like, you know, uh, you mentioned jazz, you know, the that's original, that's, like yeah. big band jazz, exactly. that's dance music, that's social yeah. dance music. And then the musicians took it, took that bass and turned it into music for listening to. And, but that tradition is, is super old. I mean, J.S. Bach did that in, in the Baroque. If you look at Bach, that's like true. the, the Bach cello right. suites, you know, the, the movements of a Bach, a Baroque suite are all jig and bourree and minuet, and those are all dances. <laughs> right. But mm. Bach wasn't writing music to accompany a dance. He was writing music to listen to in a concert hall, but he used those forms. Mm. So it's actually a thing that's, that composers have been doing for centuries. But what's so funny is that, like about your joke is that that just rings true in, in our world, in our tango community, because people have this need and this feeling about music like, or they become so focused on the act of dancing or maybe the, they draw this but, line. Or maybe the audience of, is the audience of listeners of tango larger outside of the dance community? Uh, well, here, uh, here's something and maybe, maybe Danny will want to, hmm? I, I have a, I have something to say about this. Well, what I mean is like I, I jazz, think... like, okay, Miles comes along, Charlie Parker, Coltrane, all the big names, and they have a following that's no longer dance jazz. It's no longer dance music, but it works. Does tango music outside yeah, of the I, dance I think... world have that large of a following compared to the inside the dance world? I'm not, I don't know. Hmm, I so, see. so I think, I think the answer, my one answer to your question is, Yes, there is an audience for tango to be listened to, and it's mostly in Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. It's mostly in Argentina, and maybe Danny could speak more to this because he's from Argentina. I think there is something about, you know, tango is not just dance. It's dance, and it's music, and it's songs with lyrics to them, 
and they're in Spanish and there's this amazing tradition of poetry. So there are many people, for example, in Argentina that, or in Latin America, in Colombia, they're huge fans of tango. They know all the words to all the songs. And these are people who like to sing tangos. So there's a whole way to interact with this music the way that, like you would, like you said, you'd interact with a David Bowie album. You, you know, you like the lyrics, you like the songs, and I don't think you need to be a dancer to love the culture of tango. But there, there, I think outside of Argentina, in countries where they don't speak Spanish as the main language, there's suddenly this divide where it's like we've taken this one element of tango, which is dancing, and that becomes the whole thing mm -hmm. to us. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I don't know. I don't know if Danny feels the same way I do, but that's something that I've always, always experienced. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a complicated question. Um, you would, uh, you would see a, a lot of people that are uh, tango listeners in in Argentina and in Latin America, but more to the uh, to the old uh, tangos that are you know with lyrics and. And um, all, the, all the new music that's been coming out in the recent years, uh, I would say that, yes, it's very popular in Argentina. It's part of the culture. And there's a lot of uh, influence of tango in other musics, too. So you, you, you have the flavor of it in, in many types of music. And, and I mean, the fact that Adam just mentioned to you at the beginning that there is so much activity um, around tango in Argentina, it's not because there's a lot of dancers here. I mean, right? It's, it's because yeah, yeah, I agree. the music vibrates in the, in, the, in the city. And it's also very urban, I have to say. It's not yeah. uh, really happening outside Buenos Aires, I would imagine. Yeah. I, 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 you made me think of something, Danny. I, I'll, I'll say... Uh, it's totally about porteño. I mean, the language of tango is, is, is the language of, of porteños. And I, when I teach musicians how to play like a melody and make it sound like tango, one of the things I tell them is you have to go to Buenos Aires and look at people and listen to people and look at the way they talk and the uh -huh. way they gesture and the way they feel and talk. And that's the uh -huh. way that you should be playing your violin if you want to make a tango sound like tango. It's, it's like, well, you simple. actually mentioned that in the last episode, um, of, uh, the last show we were on together, and it it made me it really opened my eyes to the fraseo of the of the music, the way not only the singers sing but the instruments play. There's so much drama and is like a paw. It's uh, yeah. There's so many directions I can go with this, but but I just wanted to um, emphasize your point because it's it's so right. So correct, like, and it's linked to. But it's like Danny said, it's linked to porteño. It, it's the culture. So there's a thing about it that has. It's. I mean, the dance is one aspect, but it's not about dance. It's about tango and porteños. It's like it touches a very deep fiber within people yeah, and a, within a, the culture. Montevideo as well. You know, it's like it's very. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I one thing I'll, I'll one more thing I'll say about that point, which is interesting. When I lived in New York most of my professional life playing tango live was playing a milongas or a lot of it was. And then I moved to Buenos Aires and I think in the first two years I played like twice at a milonga. I played all the time, but I was never playing a milongas. And that's because okay. there's a space 
for tango that like i mostly play at small cultural centers where people come to listen to to ta instrumental tango or or tango with mm -hmm. singers mm -hmm. and then sometimes i play at milongas too and i love that i love that it's it can be a little bit of everything and i don't i don't really know the dance scene in buenos aires because it's not my main thing here but i, I love it but it's like maybe 5% of my activity is now milongas. So that that right there, I think, goes to the same point. <laughs> All right, let's play the third one you sent us. And um, maybe we have time for a live one, but let's do the third one in El Camino. And what's the story behind this song? This is, <clears throat> this is by Bernardo Monk, who is... He's great. He's a great composer. He is the right. only saxophonist that I know who leads his own orquesta wow. típica. Yeah. It's so awesome. He, awesome. he he's a great musician. He yeah, he studied at Berkeley. Uh, he was a jazz player. He still is a jazz player. He's a member of the jazz. He's a figure on the jazz scene here in Argentina, but he's also a serious um, person on the on the tango scene. He has about three albums out, um, Grammy nominated albums. Um, as a tango composer with his Orquesta Típica. And it's very cool because he combines both That's worlds. That's amazing. All right, I'm going to play the album. Guys, uh, mute yourself or throw your phones in a river. Here we go. <laughs>
So, is that just jazz music with a bandoneon? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) To my ear, it's not. To my ear, that's that's Bernardo Monk's music, and it's tango. And and when I listen to his albums, I hear all sorts of. I hear hybrid. I hear he he can play straightforward tangos, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's it's an interesting. He's on an interesting mission. You know, he has a method book for how to play saxophone to make it sound like tango. I think in that particular piece, maybe he's swaying a little bit more towards jazz, well, jazz language in, in a lot of places. I'm not, speak- I'm not even speaking about the, the, the horn. I'm speaking about the bass line. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost yeah, funky, you know? Like it could sound a little more. To me, that's in the, in the world of Milonga, but maybe. Maybe a little more of an. I mean, you guys are dancers, so you you feel it in a visceral way. Where you're like, wait a minute, how would I dance milonga to that? Maybe it feels more like a Latin, Caribbean Latin groove. I don't know, but that. But to a musician, that's you know the the milonga is Afro Latin. It comes from that same kind mm-hmm. of Caribbean Latin thing. So mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't feel far away to me, but maybe it makes no, a huge difference. No, it doesn't feel far away. Not at all far away. It's just that. Um... I've grown up with the jazz musician in my family and just been around jazz a lot in my life. And, and if I heard that, if like, and he played with a lot of cats who sounded similar. And if I, if I was at a gig of my brothers, you know, back in the day and I heard that, I would just, it, 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 they might consider it like jazz with a Latin groove, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can hear that. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I think maybe there, that's a fair analysis in, in terms of rhythm mm-hmm. And then there's other elements to the music. Uh, like yeah, I yeah. hear these da da da. That's kind of like yeah. tango yes. and sola. Yes. And then, then even ryth- rhythmically, there's a part where they go into syncopa. That's like one of my favorite things that happens in that song is they're doing that kind of that groove thing, that Latin groove. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it goes And that's something that you can a, a jazz band could never do because you know they don't know how to play tango. That's true. That's, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. There's not a lot of syncopation in jazz music, is there? I don't think I, I can remember. Well, not not the what they call it in tango. They call syncopa. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's in, in other types of music, there's other things that we might call syncopation, right. syncopa, but the one in tango yeah. called syncopa is like, it's like this very specific pattern and it's very deep. And to learn how to play, like if you can't play syncopa, you can't play tango. Like you won't sound yeah. like you're playing tango. Like it's when, when we teach people how to play on instruments, it's one of the hardest things to master and to make it really sound right. Because it's not just John, 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 mm-hmm. John. No, it's like this very, like you can spend years of your life studying how to make oh, the man, syncopa man. really the feel dance is, right it's the same way in the <laughs> dance it took me years to learn it and it's it's taken in my year my students years to do it like you can do a syncopa as a dancer but if you don't do it right yeah, you look it. like a broken clown <laughs> like it it just looks <laughs> like your body is kind of stuck between the matrix and the real world you're like uh, uh, it's so jerky um, because what's a broken? I don't know. Thing? I don't know. It's just it's just, that's it just what I that's feel. What, Chico. It just looks Chico. Painful. Next time yes. I'm in New York, <laughs> next time I'm in New York, I will try to dance tango, and then you'll see what yeah, exactly. broken clown looks like. It's like it's so hard to get until you get it. It's just a very and so I'm I'm assuming with like you're saying with the music, it's it's the same. It just doesn't have the same. It's true. 
But I was feeling exactly yeah. what uh, you both are saying about that song is that there is the layers that come from tango, but what makes tango tango music. Uh, but it's so in the background that if you had no uh, connection to tango music, you may not feel those and would definitely sure. consider it jazz with some Latin influence. I think I agree. Right sure. I mean, not to get all like out on my whatever tangent but you know music is always just music we just try to label it like oh is that tango what it makes tango tango what makes jazz jazz and yada 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 but there's a feeling we, we feel it yeah. as dancers you know there's a reason or a sensation that creates the salsa dance the salsa music the, the jazz dance the jazz music the tango dance the tango music um but i think musicians and dancers alike at a certain point will just call it all the same you know it's just music it's just dance um yeah it's it's an interesting question when we talk about styles of music and genres of music you know there there is a line and it sometimes it's gray and it kind of depends and i think that's one of the beautiful things about tango today and, and what we try to capture that in this album is that there's stuff that you know if you listen to the whole when you guys listen to the whole album you're going to hear tracks on this album where you're like, what the hell is that? Uh, the, <laughs> the second track on this album, you're going to be, your mind will be blown and you'll say, wait, what elements of tango? And I could listen to it and say, well, that's the element of tango there. And that's the element of Piazzolla's language. And these composers were actively trying to do what Piazzolla did, which was recreate the music of Buenos Aires in the time that he lived in and in, in the personal style that he had. And that's like for Bernardo the Monk, what he said to me is like, I'm going to try to take all my cultural baggage and pour it into this one composition. And this wow. is tango music. This is the music of Buenos Aires as I see it as a saxophone yeah. player who lived in Boston and in New York. And, you know, so I think the beauty of tango today is that there's room for all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's diverse. Like there's room for a piece like that. There's a room for, for other types of pieces and it's all it's all tango and this is only part of tango i mean there's a whole scene of people that are like singer songwriters in tango so i, I think it's a beautiful umbrella and the same way that jazz is the same debate that we're having right now like trying to figure out wait where's the line between tango and not tango people have done that with jazz for years you know there's avant-garde jazz and there was you know traditional people saying wait a minute that's not jazz anymore wait where do we draw the line between yeah. just music and I think that's a great conversation to have. I think it's really healthy, and and I don't, I don't feel that we need to have like a concrete answer for. Yeah, it. and we don't no, have to have an argument not. either. It's just a great, it's just a great conversation because that leads the art for, yeah. forward in any art. You know, is that tango? Is that and he's not dancing? They're not dancing tango. So, and I have to say, so it's now a you've beautiful given beautiful song. Oh, like I loved. Yeah, that was that I song was it. fucking awesome. I like thank you amazing amazing thank you and I can totally well, sort I'm... of visualize like uh, scenes of Argentina or streets of Argentina with that song because of hmm. like I don't know with that background of rhythm and and I don't yeah. know I, I I just went to like yeah. black and white scenes of Buenos Aires in my head. Um, well, the the other thing that the, that Bernardo told us is that um, it's a it's a road trip song. So someday when the uh, 
when the pandemic is over, you could put it on your car and it's good for you could see all of Argentina with this song. It's yeah. like you get on the highway and play this yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you guys gave me you gave me a great idea, which is I'm gonna take the recording and the part where it's just the syncopa, and I'm gonna just play that part and I'm gonna play that for dancers and say, <laughs> "What do you think this is? Is this tango?" <laughs> you want to hear the rest of it? Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Is it tango? Is it not tango? Is it tango? Is it not tango? <laughs> wow, what an amazing like three songs so far. I can't wait to listen to the rest of the album. I'm blown away. Well, that's great. Thank project. you. It's uh, Danny, are you still in your I'm, I'm assuming you're still at your place in Palermo with the amazing little glass office in the top we we saw you years ago there yeah 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 I'm, I'm, I'm that's still, great uh, yeah um I, I keep on saying that i'm going to move but i still I'm, why would you move that place is amazing it is amazing for people that visit <laughs> yeah it's the place where is it loud is it loud at night it is it's like if you come to buenos aires you want to be here but if you live in buenos aires no i mean it's okay um uh, but sometimes like like now, for example, at the, at the beginning of, of the the beginning of the end of the quarantine, um, mm -hmm. it, it is complicated. You know, it, there's a lot of uh, now it's a little bit better, but it's a lot of people in the streets. Lots of people in the streets where like they are not being at all careful. And, I see. Uh, my my alley, I live in an alley, right? And. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it's a place where people come uh, to um, people meet in the alley. You know, it's like, hey, okay, well, let's go to Palermo and let's meet in the alley, and they buy beers and whatever. And they, oh wow! And the wee hours, and it's fun and it's beautiful when you look at it from the outside. When you leave here, <laughs> you want to open the door, and uh, sometimes you know your your place to me outside. is like such a little, uh, I don't know image of an Argentine house that so belongs to there. Like I haven't seen anything like it anywhere else. That one, it's in that alley. And then the door that you see from the street is like just a simple door. And yeah. the building looks like one story tall, I think, when you yeah. approach it, like a three, simple three wall, stories. nothing looking yeah. exciting at all from the outside. And then the minute you go in through the door, you go through this hallway and then, bam, you're at a patio. Well, don't talk and about it too much, Chico. If any of the local porteños are listening, they're going to rob this motherfucker later. <laughs> <laughs> they won't know which alley. <laughs> But no, it's really amazing. I want people who's never been to Argentina to know about the way of the, the structure is that yeah, the it's, it's living room is like outside. And yeah. like when it rains, it rains in your, like it's open up. But also and it's, it's beautiful that you walk down the street and you just see this like iron door behind with a wall. But then behind it is like this secret garden. It's it's just so amazing, these places down there. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And you did a beautiful yeah. job with it's your like, place. I mean, 
We I was there Thank you. way many years ago before you put Be the third floor before, on. Before I finished yeah. it early. Oh, okay. You came when I finished it. And then it, we right? came after you finished it, I think, yeah. and you had that next level, and it was just gorgeous, beautiful. There were so many other questions so I wanted to ask you, Danny, but we're getting world. to the end of our time. Um, we'll be back. I know you were like an event Come on, come on. What, what the end of the time? Yeah, I know. Well, I, I, I know that's why I want to go, because oh, now Marcelo's shit. here. We have to go. Marcelo is here. <laughs> but, Danny, I wanted to ask you quickly. Um, okay. Yeah. Aside from being a tango organizer... You were yeah. an event organizer in New York City, right? That's what you did. I because I, I remember one time you you threw an, a New Year's event, and you said, um, I, "I don't know how we got into this conversation, but you're like, oh, I'm having an event for New Year's tomorrow." And it was like December thirty first or something. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't know you were doing that." And you're like, "Well, I just organized it five days ago." And I rented this place, and now 500 people are coming. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And you're like, well, that's what I do. I'm an organizer. I organize events. And I was like, oh, uh, I didn't know. is that a thing? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I didn't do that. No. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, because you had I, access. To you me, told me you to had. Me. you're like, I know how to find spaces because I'm in a network of people that do this for a living, kind of, or a side gig i know you're also a scientist and shit so you also have that going on but <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i i did i did have a, a a cuban cuban music uh events in in the city that were like three times a week to in, at its peak and that plus the tango connected me to uh, with, with a huge network of uh organizers and clubs and musicians and you know we also I, I really enjoyed also blending and mixing different kinds of, of music uh, um, bringing like for example we we um, we went once to this loft of uh, of Jill Lorraine a, a very known photographer that plays uh, the flamenco guitar in uh, in New York, for for himself and friends, and we brought some people that uh, that played uh, jazz and tango and uh, and Cuban music, and was an, a nice you know blend of styles and different kinds of people trying to find a common ground and being able to have a conversation with with music was pretty beautiful. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Hello, Marcelo. It's... Hello, guys. Sorry for the delay. I You're was fired. Crying. You're fired, dude. I'm on fire. <laughs> you're the co-host. We never hired, but you're day. fired. Yeah. <laughs> we never pay you. We never hired you, but you're fired. <laughs> Marcelo is Chut. tango duende. Eso, Dani. ¿Cómo va? Bien. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien, placer. Does uh, Marcelo and Adam know each other? Yes, he was in one of the talks that we were you had guys an amazing musician. Sí. Yes. Yeah, say hey, Marcelo, ¿cómo estás? ¿Cómo le va, nice, señor? Nice to hear you. He I didn't Danny. hear. Bien, bien, usted. 
No, I didn't hear you before, so I thought that you were like out. <laughs> I thought that Adam kicked you out, <laughs> like he always. I don't do he it only, only with you, you, my my buddy. <laughs> it's your special. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> so, Adam, are you going to play and play something live for us, or you're done with your time? I know it's late there. I, I am I am happy. I you know I love talking to you guys. I'm happy to do whatever there's time for. I would be happy to play if there's time. There for is. I, I'm just grateful for you and both Danny's time. You've both been with us for over two hours now, and thank you so much for that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, you talk about community, and you know it's sort of like you know when I get together with my guitar friends because my my closest friends are tango guitarists. <laughs> My, my wife always says, you guys never stop playing the guitar and you never stop talking about guitar and you never stop talking. And, you know, we could just be doing this forever because we love tango. We love what we do. So I feel the same way talking with you guys. I'm, I'm having a great time. And it's like when you talk to people that have the same passion, you know. It's true. So, you know, where, what, what better place true. do I have to be, you know. Well, why don't you shut up and play stuff. the guitar? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, um, I, so, have, I, I have a request. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. For the Adam, for the player, for the player, for the musician. The serious uh, guy, yeah. I don't I don't yes. I don't I don't take requests. No, I'm just kidding. Oh I'm sorry. I do I do maybe. No, it's okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Today Today we lost. Oh yeah. Today we lost one of the the souls of Argentina and one of the cornerstone yeah. of of our culture itself. And well, next time I would love to talk about him. And but anyway, the point is that I want. I think a, something that you you live here for a while, Adam, right? So you know how yeah. more does we work here. <laughs> Oh, something, yeah. for, something for him, something for this, this guy. Well, the, well, this is the only request that I have. Something that. Okay. Okay. Are you gonna I make us cry, Marcelo? I'm already gonna cry just from. Just from I just cried all afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's a momentous day, and I and I have to say, like you know, as as a non-Argentine, and I did not grow up with soccer. I grew up with baseball. You know, I, I learned about soccer when I came to Argentina in 1995 for the first time, and I saw a type of passion that I have never seen before. Hmm. It just doesn't exist anywhere else. So I I, I understand. This is a massive day. This is uh, a massive day. Losing, I, I, losing Maradona is is such a. No, I I never really followed it football either, but I posted something on Facebook in honor of my friends who I know are so devastated because I don't yeah. follow Maradona and you know, but I understand how much in the world this matters today. Um, yeah, it does. So I, I grew up watching yeah. Maradona play like. It was, he was so big. In and Marcelo, so Marcelo, we started the show tonight with La Vida Tombola by Manu Chao in honor of, in honor oh. of um, Maradona. Maradona. 
something before before we go to the so, show, Adam. Just to 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 before I, I need or before I go into my to my mind, Adam. Sorry, to more or less to to give you a context, who this guy was. This guy, I will say just one thing that he did. After winning the championship in '86, when he was in the top of the world, he turned his all his fame, his power, and go and went against the FIFA, the World mm. Football Organization. In that time, FIFA was just making money and exploding players around the world. So he took that power and that recognition and created a better world for all the soccer players of the planet in a way like an union to make better salary, mm -hmm. to create better negotiation with, with, the, with the teams, to, to help them that they, they, they have more rights for the kids that they were recollected from the towns and bring it mm -hmm. to the big leagues. So they have more representation legally, so they don't get exploited and as well force them to this big organization to create programs to go to the to the slums and take people they, they take kids from the street and put into play soccer so instead of doing drugs of, of doing stupid things they have something to entertain themselves and cultivate discipline no, I'm really so glad. that he this this guy changed the world in a way that many people don't understand but it's amazing so that is why it's massive I'm really glad you shared and that I with us because I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that. And also, Marcelo, yeah. I think the song that we played at the beginning, La Vida Tombala, the words do reflect this a little bit, doesn't it? Like, I think it does talk about him uh, going against FIFA. Uh, briefly, a little bit, not know. too much. Not a too little much. bit. Not in detail, but there is a reflection to it. And... I hadn't fully understood. I think that the author now. of the, the, at least the writer of the lyrics, was writing in honor of. Yeah, I guess in a way that was the message was like, if I was Maradona, I would represent this and this and this and that. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yes, yeah. in that moment where where the people generally they got a lot of fame and power, mm -hmm. they just try to pull the attention to themselves. He did the opposite. He said, I grew up in the dumps. Nobody give me shit. I will fight for them. And I go into mm -hmm. you, FIFA, the most corrupt place in the world at mm -hmm. that time. So it's still that was Maradona. Still fucking corrupt as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine how it was before. Imagine how it was before. Yeah. 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 So Adam, the musician, now you have more pressure to play mm -hmm. something. You have to make us cry. Sure. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, I, I I was thinking about just hearing all of you speak, and it's really it's moving. And um, I I'm gonna play something maybe a, a little unusual, but I think this is this is gonna be a, a nice tribute to Maradona and like you said, Adam, to all of our friends who feel this so deeply, right? Uh, this is this goes out to all of my Argentine friends. Um, this is a folkloric piece. There is a uh, amazing musician named Juan Falou, who is probably the current godfather of Argentinian music right now, of, of folk music. His, his, his uncle was one of the creators of Argentinian folk music. And I, I had the 
privilege of studying with him this year. And there's a piece that he wrote with a, a lyricist. Um, I'm going to play an instrumental version. I'm not going to sing, but um, lyricist who died. It's called Donada del Antiguo Rezo. And Falu said that years after, the, the guy who wrote the lyrics also died about two years ago. And Falu realized that um, this type of music is, is from um, Cusho, Western Argentina. It's called Tonada. Mm -hmm. And in the Tonada, there's always a dedication, right? So if you sing, if I'm at a party and someone, the, someone says, sing a Tonada, and I sing one, I have to dedicate it to usually to the, the, the hostess or the host of the party of the house, and then they give me a glass of wine, right? They, they pay mm -hmm. me. That's a tradition. And the Juan Falu, who wrote this music, realized after his friend, the lyricist, died, that there's a line that says, a todos mis amigos. So he basically, mm -hmm. before he died, he, he dedicated this song to all of his, to all of his loved ones. So I think this is a pretty apt, the tonada in, in itself is the type of music where it's always dedicated to someone. And this particular one, the lyric says to all my friends. So I'm going to dedicate this one to Maradona and to all of my friends who loved him. Tonada del antiguo rezo. Thank you. 
And we're coming to the end of the three-hour limit we have with the podcast. Wow. So I <laughs> think is... this is a good yeah. ending to it. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you guys so much because you both Thank called you. in oh. so early and we were like, oh, are we going to keep this going? But as yeah. usual, There's every us. week, Thank you all guys. of our guests and you guys just bring so much love and energy, energy and support uh, and and it's so and much fun. Time. Sorry, Chico. I'm, I'm crying. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I keep adding on as you're speaking. No, go, go. Add on, baby. And Marcelo is crying or fainting. <laughs> <I love it>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, brother. Sorry you're having such a hard time. Thank you for having us. Thanks for sharing your new amazing project with all yes. of us. Yes. Um, yeah, thanks for... And nice to meet you. Yeah, Danny. Oh. Yes. Danny, it's oh, great awesome, to it's man. great to talk to you after like decades. I remember Danny. Uh, definitely. When when definitely. La Belle Park moved to the Ukrainian restaurant, yeah. and I, I didn't even yeah. know who organized La Belle Park. So one night yeah. I'm dancing at the Ukrainian restaurant and somebody bumps into me. And I look over and I was like, figure out, figure it out, buddy. Or some, I said some shit. And it was, was you. <laughs> and then, and then like, later, I, and it was probably my fault. I don't know. And then later I, I go so. sit down and I, at my young, like 24 year old, 25 year old self, I'm like, self? that guy bumped uh -huh. into me. The person was like, <laughs> that's the organizer. And I was like, Oh shit! <laughs> but but I will admit, when you bumped into me and I said something, you had these giant glasses on, and you looked like you couldn't even uh -huh. see who was talking to you. <laughs> and you were just kind of like, "Okay, whatever. I'm just gonna what? keep dancing." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh man, I miss I miss those days. Yeah, well, they're coming so back. Much. We're gonna bump into people soon. When you were, yes, there is what I'm saying. Bump into each other, perfect. I love that. Place. <laughs> Never be so happy to bump into somebody <laughs> or be bumped. Yes, I remember like after oh. the second month of quarantine, because I have I have a car here and I would take it out a little bit and the roads would be totally empty. And then after like two months of quarantine, I was in traffic again and I was honking and I was like, oh, I miss this. <laughs> this honking. <laughs> I, miss, I miss being frustrated with people. I love, I love my people. I love people. Let's, let's get angry at each other a little bit. You yeah. know? What the yeah. hell? It's, it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to be up on uh, each other's faces. 
it's much better than yeah. <laughs> being alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys for, for doing this, this podcast. This is so wonderful that you're bringing us all together. Well, it's our pleasure. Thank you. It's our we're pleasure. Surprised. It gives us energy. We're still here after so many weeks. <laughs> yeah. 37 I'm weeks. sure we'll hit 52. I am sure we will too. But hopefully not much more after. I think the vaccine well, I will, is going... It, it will continue. Uh, well, they, you can continue. Can well, it doesn't mean that you need to stop. Now. You can do like, a shorter version, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Shorter maybe. version on a different night. Well, we'll, we'll see. Time. We'll see. It's been harder to get we'll guests, and it's been harder to get listeners since things are opening up and things are changing. But No, he's lying. None of that. Everybody's been super generous with their time. Okay. Yeah, Thanks, but Jacob. the listeners, are, are, do you feel... <laughs> Even Marcelo. Do you, do you feel that it's going Latin? Hey, no, hey, man. The, the, the listeners are going down, man. Really? Only the live listeners, not the downloads. But right. But it's, it's you know, in the early days, it was, it was just different. Everybody There's was at podcast. home. Yeah, but winter is coming. Everybody's going to be more at I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll create a new virus so we can continue doing this podcast. No, no. no. <laughs> Wait, you created no. the coronavirus so we could have a podcast? Is that what happened? Whoops. Did I let that slip? <laughs> yeah, I went to China and ate a bat. and uh, <laughs> There you are. Then there I breathed in other people's is. faces. And there you go. <laughs> Terrible. Well, the podcast was fun. So thanks. <laughs> That's all that matters. And then you gave us the podcast, and we think it's There's at least one side benefit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, thanks again, guys. Okay. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. It was really beautiful to reunion. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. We'll do it again. Thanks, okay. guys. Yes. Take Ciao, care. everybody. Take care. Bye. Big hugs. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Ciao. Thank you so much. Marcelo, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for Ciao. being there in the five minutes. I will no, be back next time earlier so I can bother you better nah. and tell yes. you more stories about Maradona. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, I'd love <laughs> to have you tell us stories about Maradona. Or something else. Not now. Anything. But yes. In the future. Not now. But not yeah. now, but tomorrow, next yeah. time. I don't okay. know anything. About <laughs> okay, it, guys. So. Big hack for everybody who is listening, who will listen, and who is in the chat there. Um, pleasure to be here. See you next week. Ciao, chicos. Yes, sir. I'm going to play the same song on the way out that I played on the way in. All, All right. right. Fantastic. Good night, Chico. Good night, Adamo.
fuera Maradona, viviría como él. Si yo fuera Maradona, frente a cualquier portería. Si yo fuera Maradona, nunca me equivocaría. Si yo fuera Maradona, perdido en cualquier lugar. La vida es una tómbola, de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola, y arriba y arriba. La vida es una tómbola, de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola, y arriba y arriba. fuera Maradona, viviría como él, mil cohetes, mil amigos, lo que venga mil por cien. Si yo fuera Maradona, saldría a Mondiovisión, para gritarles a la FIFA que yo soy el gran ladrón. La vida es una tómbola, de noche y de día, la vida es una tómbola, y arriba y arriba. La vida es una tómbola, de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola, y arriba y arriba. Maradona, viviría como él, mil cohetes, mil amigos, lo que venga mil por cien. Si yo fuera Maradona y un partido que gana, si yo fuera Maradona y una mano en el altar, la vida es una tómbola de noche y de día, la vida es una tómbola y arriba y arriba. La vida es una tómbola, de noche y de día. La vida es una tómbola, tómbola, tómbola. Maradona viviría como él porque el mundo es una bola que se viva a flor de piel 